now in session, a Cinemodities Restaurant Board Meeting, where we discuss how to expand the establishment while continuing to bleed money, lose customers, and ask ourselves, What the hell are we doing here? Late Night Movies with Rob and Zach. This is a podcast about cinematic oddies, where we discuss any media that is too bizarre, abnormal, or off-kilter for contemporary audiences. Occasionally, these projects gel. Most times, they crash hard into the realm of obscurity. Join us as we delve into the cult classic swamp. I'm Zach. And I'm Rob. And I'm very happy to announce that on this bonus episode of Cinemodities, we are keeping tradition going even though tradition only happened once before, with our two-year extravaganza. They said we wouldn't make it, Zach. We said we wouldn't make it, but we did. Here we are, two full years of cinemodities. Oh, it's, I'm so excited for this episode. As Zach knows, peek behind the curtain. I've been planning this for months now. I even said in our 100th episode that I wasn't even tempted to even discuss a 100th episode because the years are more important to me. Oh, I'm jacked up. Are you jacked up, Zach? Much like a certain film that Rob is indeterminate on, I'm jacked up on Jesus. <laughs> jacked up on Cinemodities. Yes, our two-year anniversary. If you are a dedicated listener, you know that last year, in our one-year extravaganza, we had to basically clean up all the loose ends. This is, for all intents and purposes, a Cinemodities board meeting between the only two owners, Rob and Zach, where we answer the questions that we haven't answered on our individual episodes. We fill in some blanks. We fill in some indeterminates. And we cover some administrative topics. There's going to be another performance review. I'm very excited about that, Zach. And all in all, it's going to be great fun. And hey, I think, you know, breaking new ground, maybe. This is going to be our first yearly extravaganza, an anniversary of our own, where we're actually going to talk about some snacks, some cinemodities, some late night. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I've never been this Are excited for a board meeting before. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the place we have to start, if there's nothing else that you want to talk about, Zach, we have to start with kind of wrapping up a continuing saga that has been coming about this uh, since the start of the new year in 2020. If you remember, we had... An episode where we talked about Vanilla Sky and Vanilla Sky, we had a very important question. Well, what does it mean to have sex four times in one night? <laughs> and if, if you follow the cinemodities, there's some discussion about how we had a fan of ours reach out, give us some information, uh, Barry, as he was called. And we did a little bonus episode kind of following up on that. Also following up on another question that Barry asked us. Well, how do you introduce, or I should say rather, what film do you use to introduce somebody to the concept of a cinemodity? And we did a whole good, what was it, 30-minute bonus episode on discussion about this idea, and we settled on, Zach and I were in agreement for once, The Book of Henry, or sorry, The Book of Hank. Yes. And we were, these since that episode, in between then and now, we've been in contact with the Barrys, there's Mr. and Mrs. Barry, or Ms. Barry, at least in the email. Um, and they got their hands on a copy of the Book of Henry. 
They said they were going to watch it. They finally did, and they got back to us about it. So we have to kick off this bonus episode with, like I said, finishing up that saga. We're going to talk about, well, what did they think? And to start this, I think the best way, I'm sure Zach laughed at it when he read it as well, the subject of their email is waffle irons are tricky. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only appropriate way to... uh... To address an email like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Waffle irons are certainly tricky. The other thing that I want to point out is, I don't know if Zach noticed, but when we received this email, the timestamp, at least for me out here in Colorado, was 11.27 p.m. So, assuming that the Berries live in the United States, this could have meant that they watched, I'm guessing, they watched this movie in the evening and emailed us, you know, 11.27 Mountain Time, could have been 10.27 in California, on Pacific Zone, it could have been, you know, what, 1.27 a.m. on the East Coast. But I, I like to think that they watched this film and they were like, okay, we got to email Cinemodities about it. And that that makes me very happy. <laughs> Their knee-jerk reaction was they have to let us know. They have to. They have to. And they did. And they did. But if that was the case, um, of course, it could have been something where they watched it and then they were like, they forgot about us for a few days. And then, uh, and then they emailed us late at night because it was kind of like a spur-of-the-moment type of thing. But in the email, as I'll read, they do say, we just finished the Book of Henry. So, I, good. The berries? I don't know. I know we, don't we have like a wall of shame in our restaurant? And maybe we need like, you know, a VIP room and if, you know, get special, they get special treatment. Not discounts, but like, you know, maybe a booth where they're not, you know, exposed to the rest of the restaurant or something like a that, booth, you know what i'm they're, saying they're not exposed to the rest of the clientele yes in all the um or, or maybe i don't know they get an extra bump of cocaine if they so desire is that when they come <laughs> in or when they leave i don't remember <laughs> the bump of cocaine is when they leave when they leave okay maybe they get one at the start as well to really kick off the uh the dining experience but of course uh, I think I speak for Zach when I say that we are very happy that we got this back. We got a response from them, and now we have to dive into it. Well, what were the thoughts? Here we go. Greetings from the Berries. We just finished the Book of Henry. Here are our opinions. And it's broken down into two segments. We got one from Ms. Barry. We got one from Barry. And I figured that I'd read each of them. So I'll start with Miss Barry. We can make some comments and then we'll switch over to Barry, make some comments on his because they separated it. We should separate it as well. So Miss Barry went first. I think that the movie was good. I found it frustrating that Shelia, I'm pretty sure she means Sheila, but she spelt it Shelia twice in this email. <laughs> and remember, Miss Barry, you were the one who was with me on spelling. I found it frustrating that Shelia and Glenn's characters weren't really explained. Shelia went from dynamic to static. I wanted more explanation of Glenn. Barry had to explain why it was a cinemodity. I still don't completely understand it, so maybe now I need to listen to y'all's explanation of it. Overall, I enjoyed it and would watch it again. A few things before I throw it over to you, Zach. It's not Shelia. It's not Sheila. It's Discount Amy Winehouse. I think you yes. can say that for certain. Yes. That's, that's what that character's name was. But I have to comment the the sentence of this email that really stood out to me, even the parts I haven't read yet, is Miss Barry says, I wanted more explanation of Glenn. Me too! 
That was the whole reason for the X-Files music back in the Dean Norris series, because we didn't get enough explanation about Dean Norris. I had to piece all his life together because he's the same person as all of his movies. But, uh, you know, that, kidding aside, I I could kind of get behind this reaction. Not the, I thought the movie was good. You know, this movie is not, this movie transcends good or bad, I would say. But I, I kind of can understand where Ms. Barry's coming from, that, you know, these characters were almost just, you know, kind of MacGuffins to move the plot along rather than actually fleshed out characters. Like Glenn, Dean Norris, of course, was just the, what, the police chief's brother or the, was the police chief or something like that. And it's never specified exactly what he's doing to Maddie Ziegler, why it's just him and Maddie Ziegler. So I can kind of get behind that. What did you think about Miss Barry's response to the movie? Um, Miss Barry's response is... I, I, she enjoyed it, so I'm happy about that. But at the same time, though, I think this is a movie that you're not meant to, like, there's no answers. And yes. I think to expect, it's kind of like the exact same complaint I had with Rob with Men, Women, and Children, where Rob's thing is like, Zach, this is a horrible movie. It's oh, bad. Oh, and I'm like, yes, Rob, it's horrible. It's offensive. But it's, it's a, a masterpiece because of how bad it is. I took that a step further. It's offensive, that movie. It's offensively amazing. And... That's kind of how I feel with Miss Barry right now. It's like, oh, you're kind of, I almost think you're reading too much into it because at a certain point, you just have to, like, I don't want to say turn your brain off because that's a very kind of just like archaic phrase now. Mm -hmm. But you gotta just feel like, okay, this movie is the equivalent of a schizophrenic. Like, there's no, <laughs> you, you can't make heads or tails of it. You shouldn't be analyzing it in that way. You should just be along for the ride at that point. Be like, oh, I'm just here. I'm buckling yeah. in because, like, when you have discount Amy Winehouse kiss an underage boy on the lips, all bets are off in the movie at that point. You're like, okay, movie. Okay. And guess what? The movie doesn't disappoint because we get Naomi Watts with a military grade sniper rifle trying to shoot the police commissioner's brother, whoever he is, Dean Norris, yes. in the woods. So it's like, like a weird, like, bait and switch. <laughs> Yeah, waffle irons are tricky, man. I don't know. They are. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I kind of see where you're coming from. Um, you know, at the same time, as you described it, you know, the, the thought does creep into the back of my head where if you watch the book of Henry, the book of Hank, and you pick out, you know, just two characters to say that you want more explanation about, why wouldn't you say, I want more explanation about Bobby Moynihan? Why wouldn't you say, I want more explanation about Maddie Ziegler? You know, because she just or the principal that the principal doesn't want to listen to anybody or Henry saying that this girl is being abused. Principal, you need to do something. But it takes an interpretive dance for her to figure it out. Like, you're, you're right. Uh, there, there, are no there are no it's, answers. There are no answers. It's oh, it's delightful. It's so, so delightful. <laughs> it is. It is a it is a it is a true cinemodity, and now as we've established, it's a uh, <sighs> in, in the annals of time in our podcast recording, it's our introductory cinemodity. Right on. Yeah, that's that's the thing about this movie is that like I just I can't get anybody who watches this, and maybe we fell into that trap a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. But I don't like this is just a movie like you just have to kind of just go with it. It's the equivalent of like a carnival ride. Like it's dangerous. It probably can <laughs> maim you in some sort of way. Yes. But you gotta just let it take you on its little ride around the track. I like that. I like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the only other thing I wanted to point out is um, uh, for Ms. Barry, before we move on to Barry's response, is 
that in this uh, opinion she gave, she says, maybe now I need to listen to y'all's explanation of it, of the book of Hank. Yeah, yeah, go back and do that. I, I think there's nothing more to be said than, of course, now that you've seen the movie, you can hear us describe, you know, all the things that you probably picked on, picked up on, stuff you didn't pick up on. I think it's going to add to the movie. So do it up, and it'll help the downloads. <laughs> exactly, just that Book of Henry episode. That needs and, all the love it can get. And also, Ms. Barry, you know, be sure to uh, take that like or subscribe button to Pound Town, you know? <laughs> When you listen to this episode, make sure you hit that, ring that bell. What is that, YouTube? What are we on, Y'all, Spotify? Come on, come, okay, Rob, come Follow. on, Rob. Come on, come on, Rob. Based on Barry, I think it's not Mrs. Barry. It's Mr. Barry who has the experience of taking things to Pound Town. That's true. So, Ms. Barry, take a play out of uh, Barry's book and take our like button to Pound Town. For, we can't do it. Didn't we have this discussion years ago or year and a half ago where it's like you can't take it to pound town an even number of times because it's the same as not liking it you have to take it yes. to pound town an odd <laughs> yes. number of times <laughs> yes so you have to take the, it to pound town odd number of times the four doesn't work you got to go five for taking our like button to pound town <laughs> yes that means your body makes a promise to cinematis yes and now that now that's what we like to hear <laughs> that's my piece of uh, cinematis merchandise your body may have promised the Cinematis. <laughs> I thought you were going to say take Cinematis to Pound Town. <laughs> that's, an, that, that's something else entirely. That's, that's where Miska Hargitay gets involved. Oh, yeah, yeah. Anything else on your end about Ms. Barry? Or are you ready to move on to the second half of our response? Let's move on to the latter half of this yes. email. Barry's the instigator of this entire saga. Barry, I have to say, Barry, I love how you start your response. He goes, okay. Period. <laughs> the mom really annoys me so much. And then in all caps, we get that she's incompetent. Why, Colin, why do you have to shove it in our face that she doesn't know what she's doing every 10 seconds? That is my main complaint. I thought it was a pretty okay movie, though. I do not understand how they let this movie be released. Would I watch it again? Yes, probably once every two or three years. Does it make a good late night movie? Yes, it does. So I, uh, I can get behind what he's saying. I love the, the sentence, and I think we said it in our episode. I do not understand how they let this movie be released. <laughs> well, he, ha he clearly had some level of final cut. And just, mm -hmm. I don't know how any rational human being, and that's why he's called Colin Madman Trevorrow. I mean, he could, again, he compares this movie to Star Wars. Like, he's insane. Oh. He, th he thinks this is a genuine, like, I believe it's a masterpiece, but for a very different yep. reason than he believes it is. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I'm Barry. I'm glad he wants to watch it again. I, I think I had a similar complaint. I haven't listened to our episode for Book of Henry in a while, but I think either I or you or both of us had a similar complaint where it's like they do beat Naomi Watts' incompetence to death. But I don't know if I even saw it as incompetence. It was just she was more immature. I think it was my take on it. Well, there's a lot oh, without like delving into this movie too much. Wasn't she this, getting this... drunk? She wasn't. Yeah. Amy Winehouse yes. falling yes. asleep in her porch chair, and she's like, "Oh, you want to drink?" And she's like, "Okay, I can drink some." <laughs> but that's the thing. There's so many questions. Like, where was the father? At what point did Henry take over from the father? Mm -hmm. Like, th there's so much going on in this movie. Like, in, when he was that's seven. 
<laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, it's like you don't know which way is up. Like, if you start questioning this movie on any level, it's just like you're going to question everything because nothing exactly. makes sense. Like, okay, once you explain that, it's like, why is somebody getting beat up at a grocery store and literally nobody is concerned about this? Yep. Why are uh, Hank and uh, Amy Winehouse kissing each other? Why are Hank and why, why does Naomi Watts know how to play the ukulele? But only one song on the ukulele. <laughs> Why is it that Henry is able to somehow have some form of clairvoyance to know his mother is going to walk the wrong way down the street oh, and God, time that's... it just proper, just right enough that he can I... tell her to turn around? Okay, so I, I think that if you want answers from this movie, uh, send money on our Kickstarter. We are going to direct, <laughs> write and direct a prequel called The Short Story of Henry. <laughs> and it's going to be when Henry's like, I don't know, what's he in the movie? 12? 15? He's going to be like six and seven in the movie. Oh and it's going to, he's going to, this is, we're going to, okay, the plot of the movie, the, the prequel, is going to be about how he gets to be the head of the family and how he learns how to buy and sell stocks on a payphone. That's what I want the premise of this movie to be about, the opening scene. <laughs> and the, uh. post, the post credit scene is going to be the literal, it's going to be like a Rogue One ending, where it just ends right where the next movie picks up. It's going to be him going to the payphone to buy and sell stocks, and we're going to see him dial the number, and it's going to you know end. That's the post-credit scene. Oh my god, it's writing itself, Zach. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this movie. And we're going to have uh, Jacob Tremblay uh, digitally de-aged as like an infant. Uh, maybe. No? You know, I don't want anything to do with Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> No, they'll be digitally de-aged infant. So I don't know. It'll can, be we him. Get a, can we just get a different baby and say it's Jacob Tremblay? No, we need, we need Jacob Tremblay. He's very versatile. Jeez, I don't like Jacob Tremblay. <laughs> you don't say, Rob. You don't say. Uh, okay. Uh, did you have anything else for Barry? I do not. I have. I, okay. I think. I think Barry knows my opinion on this film. I'm not going to waste his time. And then the last sentence of the email, once again, makes us very happy over here at Cinemodities. We thank you for your suggestion, and we look forward to many late-night Cinemodities in the future. Hey, you never know what might happen. And then the winky face emoticon. Ooh! So, the moment I read this, Zach, I was like, are the berries inviting us to a foursome? Rob, Zach, and the berries? You think that could happen? Hey, we'll, we'll definitely get the VIP room going at the restaurant if that's the case. The berries are swingers. God damn swingers <laughs> But yes Thank you to the berries uh, We love that this saga got kind of got a completion To it uh, of course if you're looking For more cinemodities And late night movies to watch that bonus episode We did we do give some other opinions Where we just settle on the book Of Henry being kind of the final one uh, But there's definitely more suggestions In there and I think of course whenever you listen To our episodes that's exactly our Questions so you know you can have you have an Endless hundred plus plethora of more things to watch and even more coming your way because two years ain't stopping us woo -woo. two years oh sorry I, I can't believe i just did that i just did woo woo like excited thing wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yes you said you might do it in the two years burr, 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 burr. <laughs> it's a fun it's, it's two years folks we're excited oh yeah okay so we got that the email out of the way I think the uh, next question is, do we want to get to the meat of this episode? Do we want to get into some spreadsheet fill-ins, Zach? Or, oh, wait, maybe, I don't know, since the beginning, should I announce the uh, the scavenger hunt of sorts I've thought up? Oh, God. 
Oh, God. I think, you know, before anybody tunes out completely, if they haven't already, let's, let's, let me, let me pitch this. So, episode 67 of Cinemodities was a turning point for the series. Because episode 67 was about Annihilation. And I do have to say, just for anybody, I don't know how you search through this stuff, it came out on June 10th, 2019. I didn't know this at the time, Zach, but this was actually a very important anniversary of something. Mm-hmm. June 10th, 2019. I know you just made it you, you made it sound like you're interested. You're going to roll your eyes after this, Zach. Don't get too excited. June 10th, 2019 is the 12-year anniversary of the series finale of The Sopranos. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about The Sopranos for a little bit right now. <laughs> as long as no. it's not Revolver. So, oh, I mean, we could talk. Oh, I don't even know when that came out. Maybe that. Okay, that'll be the next bonus episode. Anniversaries <laughs> of Revolve. We're gonna go every episode we've ever done. We're gonna find an anniversary for. Sorry. But so in episode sixty-seven, like I said, it was a turning point. We discussed Annihilation in our pure cinemodity series, and this kicked off the, as I've said before, the most successful running joke of our podcast. I believe that whenever. Zach or I, or a guest, it could be. I don't think we've had a guest on since that episode. But if it ever comes up, if someone says the word annihilation or any of its conjugations, annihilate, annihilated, annihilating, I can do the editing for this one if you want me, Zach. Uh, (laughs) We insert the annihilation sound. And it's it's become a hallmark of cinemodities. I think, yeah, right before we recorded this, we talked about how, you know, we've conditioned our fans and ourselves to hear it play in our heads when it comes out in the real world, you know? But the only thing is, the issue that Rob has uncovered, or thought about maybe, is that we might have said the word annihilation or any of its conjugations prior to that episode. In episodes 1 through 66, it could have happened. And so the initial response is to go, well, how, how, do, we, how do we correct this? How do we expand this to the full bank of cinemodities? Of course, Zach and I could go back and listen to our episodes, but I said, no, 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 how about this? We open up a Cinemodity scavenger hunt. If you go and back, any of our fans, any of our audience, if you go back and you listen to our first 66 episodes and you hear us say the word annihilation or any of its conjugations, we are asking that you email us. Or I guess Twitter, I don't know if Twitter, Zach, I don't think we don't think we're going to get inundated with this stuff, but contact us and tell us, well, what episode was it? And give us a, a timestamp. Give us a little notion of, you know, when this occurred. And I know for a fact, Rob will go back into the archives and get that annihilation sound in there. But of course, we need to incentivize you to be able to do this or to want to do this, of course. So that's kind of where this comes up. If you do this, if you find an old use of the annihilation sting, what well, we have to go back and put it in. You're going to tell us. We're going to double check it. We'll get it updated. But the question is, how do we reward you? And we can't give them coupons because, as we know, coupons are not deals. They make things more expensive. 
Um, I we don't want to go as far as saying you know anybody's going to get their their own choice of a, an episode or anything like that. So so what are other options? Maybe a a a reservation at the restaurant. You know, maybe maybe they get a, a specific time where you know we'll have a table for you that then and there and. You know, it'll be a good experience. What were your thoughts, Zach? Because I was kind of struggling to come up with the proper incentivization for this scavenger hunt. Do you have any thoughts? Uh, I would imagine it's something with, uh, oh, God. Do we want to give a bust? No, I think a bust is too high of an honor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That in our in our storefront of directors, it is for directors, I think. Yes. Well, how about this? We'll give you five minutes alone with the glory hole. The caviar glory hole. Alone? Ooh. <laughs> five minutes. We'll shut the door. No questions asked. Five minutes alone with the, the caviar glory hole. I, that's that's interesting. What about the other thing I was thinking of? What about a tour of the restaurant? Of the infinite void? I don't think that's any sort of prize considering that it'll never end. Like You, you sign up for that and you disappear. I think that might be. I think that might be the prize. <laughs> It's a way of just disappearing forever. Yes, if you know if you're having legal troubles or you owe some people some money, you find annihilation in one of our old episodes, and then you can just you know disappear yourself into the restaurant. <laughs> Gone for good. Yeah. So uh, I think you know maybe this is uh, something that uh, we're interested in. I know Rob is definitely interested because this is completionist. Rob wants that annihilation sting everywhere. But, you know, maybe there's some incentivization that they might want. Let's say somebody finds an instance. They can throw us some ideas. We're open to uh, negotiation, things like that. But the reward aside, talking about our entirely real restaurant, never get that wrong. We do we do hope if you find any of these, please let us know. We would greatly appreciate it because, like I said, this is a very successful running joke. And I want it to predate the instantiation of that joke as well. That's a perfect cinemodities kind of idea, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we can move on to The Sopranos, right? <laughs> as long as it's not Revolver. As long as it's not Revolver. Oh, no, we will. We'll save that for a different bonus episode, uh, Revolver and The Sopranos. Uh, maybe six different bonus episodes. Bonus episode series. But I think it's time. We have to answer some of our unanswered and indeterminate questions, our spreadsheet fill-ins. And we actually have a good bit, not so much in the late night and cinemodity, few on the snacks, but we also are going to discuss our seance-modities upcoming top topics, people, co- contacts. People, spirits. How do you even... Yes, how do you even I like quantify that? that? I, like, I, like, I like referring to our seances as uh, our contacts, the, the, the subjects as con- <laughs> contacts. Yes. Seance so modities. Seance modities every it's Sunday. It's a whole new venture. Yeah. <laughs> so some I restaurants guess... have, what, Rob? We, some restaurants have karaoke. Other ones have like $1, like what, beer night? Yeah, ladies nights, trivia night. nights. We have seance modities nights. Seance modities nights. <laughs> it's a nightmare on the dry, like on the easel we have outside the restaurant. Like someone has to write that seance. Like, how do I spell that? Oh yeah, we and we don't tell them. You know, nobody, no, no, none of our employees get to see the spreadsheet, but Rob and Zach. So <laughs> and we, we're not giving them any info. <laughs> so okay, do you want to start with? Uh, so Rob's got one late night and one cinemodity. Zach has two late nights. Uh, how do you want to do this? How do you want to run through this stuff? What do you think, Zach? Well, the easiest one is Avengers Endgame for me because mine is. is I was indeterminate. I was unanswered whether Avengers Endgame is a late night movie. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I know in the spreadsheet, Rob has it documented that apparently in the Terminator episode or one yes. of the Terminator episodes that I said, I hinted that this would not, it would not recommend it as a late night movie. Mm-hmm. In something about like in 10 years. Yeah. Terminator, you, what, you what was that sense. about? I don't, I don't remember exactly, but yeah, in our Terminator one episode, you, you were talking about Terminator, I think maybe the movie, maybe the series in general. And as like a contrast, I remember vaguely you saying something like, like in 10 years, you know, you, you were making some point and you were like, this is why in 10 years I would never recommend Endgame as a late night movie. And I was like, oh, that that's kind of getting back to that. But if you remember uh, the cinematis history, the Avengers Endgame episode is the only episode Rob and Zach have ever recorded together in person. And somehow we missed that. Like Zach said, it was unanswered. <laughs> well, not even you. You answered it, apparently. I yeah, did. Yeah, it was, it was just you, which is crazy to me. Like, I, I actually went, I, like, listened to that episode again, like, a few weeks later. And I was like, he really didn't talk about that. Like, how did we miss that? <laughs> it has to be, like, getting back into my headspace with, with that movie, it has to be a definitive no. Like it must have been like you said no, and I figured just sub like almost like okay. Like I don't want to say subconsciously, but kind of like I just figured like why would I ever suggest a three hour movie like this <laughs> yeah. as a like and it's too bombastic. Like it's just like like it's also a very shallow movie, and I think that's mm-hmm. why almost a year later we don't talk about it anymore. Is because there's nothing to it. it. Was it's fireworks on the Fourth of July? It gets everybody's attention, and five minutes later you've forgotten about it. Yep, yep. Not th- not and again, I think it's decent as a Marvel movie. Like no, my only problem is that like I'm kind of delighted about this. That, like other podcasts and other media that I listen to. I forget where it was I heard this, but somebody was talking about the the time travel mechanics of Avengers Endgame. Mm -hmm. And someone said the line, quote, if you're going to shit on Back to the Future, maybe have your own time travel make sense first. (laughs) Nice, nice. Because again, like, I I think, oh God, there was a, I remember this from high school. I'm not sure if Rob remembers it. I forget the context of it. I can remember in high school walking down the hallway with Rob. And for some reason, his topic of choice that moment was Einstein's theory of relativity. Oh, that's what it was. I think it was in um, the yearbook at the end of our senior year. It was like one of those pictures, like most likely to be voted like smartest. Mm-hmm. And the kid who got voted that had like a piece of paper and it had like relativity with like an X through it. Okay. And Rob was like, what the hell? Like, okay, Rob, Rob obviously used much more colorful language, but he's like, <laughs> what the hell is this? Like, disproving relativity destroys the universe. Like, that's not something to be proud of. You're essentially dismantling how we understand how time works. Yep. How is that an achievement? And I thought about that in connection with Avengers Endgame, because the, the entire... The, the oh good lord the crux of, of that film is time isn't relative that you can do anything you want in the past that has no impact on the future and it's like if that like like rob said back to, oh god almost 10 years ago it was if you're going to dismantle how time works that fundamentally then what's the point just just go back to like the the inception of all this stuff and just knock it off mm-hmm. <clears throat> And I was even thinking about Avengers Endgame 2. I don't know why. It was previous to like Rob telling me I had to think about it. And it was... You think back to that movie. Everybody gets a royal heart on for Purplehead Man. And they're like, oh, what a great villain. And it's like... 
the purple-headed man from Avengers Endgame isn't the same purple-headed man from Infinity War. It's a completely different character. Mm -hmm. Intentionally so. Like, it's not like something they did by accident. And my thing is, like, imagine if you watched Empire Strikes Back and it's a completely dar different Darth Vader in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the point. same thing, yet these idiots just eat it up. And I find that so fascinating. Yeah, it is. It is crazy. Absolutely. But no, uh, my answer for a late night movie is a uh, definitive no. It is not a late night movie. Nice, nice. I on, on the same topic, I do want to give another peek behind the curtain, uh, maybe a peakier peek than we've ever discussed. But I think part of the reason I think that this did not get answered by you, and you're right, it, it does kind of you know me saying it and then implicitly carrying over. I get where you're coming from. But if Zach remembers, while we were recording this in person, my parents' basement, right around <laughs> the end of the episode, my dad came in and laid down on the couch and fell asleep while we were recording our podcast. And I think I said to Zach off recording where it was like, oh, gee, thanks, Dad. We're that boring. But that definitely threw me for a loop a little bit. I don't I know think, if it did Zach, but... I think, that... I, think we, I think we made a comment somewhere in that episode. Because I've listened to the episode a few times. Okay, okay. And I think you say something like, Something something late night movie. This like after three hours, how can you not fall asleep? And I think you turn around. You're like clearly, and you pointed. <laughs> and to the and to like the listeners, that just comes across as just kind of like a weird like non sequitur. Okay, but if you were there, like that's I, I had to go back and listen. Maybe there was something in that because I know we we who knows. I also maybe in the raw audio there's something there too because obviously okay. for those at home there's uh there's raw audio and then there's the final audio and they're two very different things at the end of the day yeah there's cinema of these uncut <laughs> yes that's uh and that's oh good lord even even rob doesn't have access to that most of the time so uh that's mm -hmm. that's a very dangerous thing it's like the most it's like the black tar heroin like it is just <laughs> it's gonna mess you up like nothing good can come of this i like that i like that that's a good analogy all right, we got it. Avengers Endgame finally out of the way, thankfully. Uh, how about uh, how about we trade off? I got since we got two each in this. How about I do my late night? What do you think? Go for it, Rob. My late night movie I have to answer is for Spring Breakers. You know when you got your Spring Breakers, you got you jacked up on Jesus, you got your nunchucks, you got, got your, my tan and oil, tan and oil. I got Scarface on repeat. <laughs> So in preparation for my two things uh, leading up to this, since I've been planning it for so long, I did actually go back and watch both of the things that I have to talk about. So Spring Breakers, I'll reveal the next one in a little bit. Wait, Rob, um, you were so we're going to have this conversation about Spring Breakers while you are sober. I mean, you you're, were, you're you, assuming that I'm sober right now. <laughs> well, it, you're, you're at least more sober than you were when we recorded that episode because you I'm, were. I'm not, I'm not incoherent like I was in that episode. <laughs> yes, Zach was not happy, folks. That was one of those episodes where Zach was very frustrated when he ended that discussion. Zach is the one person that would, at my intervention, would be like, <laughs> I, I, like I don't care what you do, you can drink all you want, but you have to still be able to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly you can do it as soon as the call's <laughs> over you can do whatever the hell you want so my parents Just... are gonna be like no zach that's the wrong message <laughs> as long as you're sober during the spring breakers conversation that's all that matters to me so yeah so i did go back i watched spring breakers i thoroughly enjoyed it again you know i i think everything we said in our episode still kind of stands that you know the whole motif of you know is there something being said or is it there and you know we're picking up on it because everything was by accident all that you know i might be distilling it too far but for late night movie for spring breakers 
because of the the uh, the motif of it, the color palette of it, the James Franco of it. I'm going to go with a yes. That's my final decision on late night movie for Spring Breakers. I am saying yes. Cool. I don't think I have too much more explanation behind it, other than you know, kind of now that I've seen it three, four times, um, it's it's interesting. It's it's a uh, it's one of those movies that we talk about, and it's kind of like yeah, there's whether or not the behind the scenes uh, gives us any insight on what you know uh, Harmony Corinne right was trying mm-hmm. to say. It, I think it checks all the boxes for late night that if you get someone who's going to be uh, pay attention to it and and watch it with you, it's going to lead to some good conversation, some good, you know, possible insight. So, it, like I said, checks those boxes. It gets a yes. The only th- OK, <clears throat> two things. First, I guess I'm just going to say this for the record that I'm going to ask Rob nicely in the uh, spreadsheet. Maybe uh-huh. we add like when it comes to everything that we're amending and we're correcting, we keep the original answer there. Then maybe we put like an edit for the two year anniversary so we do not alter the record. We uh, amend like it that. as opposed to writing over it. I like that because I believe in the first year anniversary uh, when we had to fill in these things in the spreadsheet, it was always just the word indeterminate or unanswered. So it made sense to overwrite it. But now we have some other stuff. Mm. And even keeping that, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's an, an, an addendum, not a rewriting, for sure. Yes. But going to Spring Breakers, this gives me a, a, a chance to touch upon that movie again. I really didn't get to feel I had that had the proper conversation back a year ago. What are you that- talking about, Zach? It's James <sighs> Frank. <laughs> I like how me pretending to be slurring my words sounds like Tony Soprano. <laughs> Gosh, folks, he's so hung up on this right now. He is okay, so hung so up on the Sopranos. Six, episode twenty-one of the Sopranos is the finale, and when it cuts to <laughs> don't stop, and then it stops. <laughs> but no, no, thing, sorry. Yeah, go on. I'm, I'm eager to hear what you think about, about it. spring. Well, I thought about Spring Breakers. I remember again. If anybody remembers that episode from a year ago, I saw that during my spring break in spring of 2013 mm-hmm. and i remember just being like i always treated that movie at that point thereafter as like my unofficial spring break like i just put that on that was kind of my <laughs> vi- like vicarious experience and i remember when that movie came out like it it didn't you don't expect a movie like that to succeed but i don't think it did as well as probably the producers hoped it would have okay and people kind of expected from that movie like Oh god, this is this is date this is dated now to say this, but at the time like Project X, The Hangover, like not slapsticky, but like they expected like a good time with friends. Oh, like sure. that's the, they wanted that like, kind of like I think Rob mentioned this kind of like when our key and peel discussion, like people wanted to hang out with Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens and mm-hmm. do debauchery with them. Yeah. And that was initially what a lot of people my age, like early twenties were thinking of when they saw that movie and they were, and probably, probably older teenagers too. And they were disappointed yet. It's kind of come to my attention as of late that a, and God, I can't believe that movie's almost, that movie is seven years old. Oh my God. I feel old. That <laughs> don't remind us <laughs> that a new generation is growing up with that movie is like a weird template on how to behave. Mm. They're not, and I'm not saying that like people are robbing the chicken shack to go like take a bus down the spring break. I'm not saying that. And they're going to become like James Franco's like, what's the word? Um, Oh God. How'd you describe the relationship between the three uh, girls and James Franco? How do you even describe that relationship? Like cohorts like con- concubines. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That works. We'll, we'll go with it. And I'm not saying that level, but like during that one montage where you have them all just like 
going truly like wild in Florida, sure. that's become like a template for a whole new generation, especially like young women. And again, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm not saying that. Do ever if you're a, a, 18 years or older, I got to use the right words. If you're 18 years or older, you can do whatever you want as long as it's legal. But it's just like it's one of those movies now that it doesn't feel as profound as it did in 2013. Mm. It feels like idiots have glommed onto it, not as this like weird ass movie, but as it's like what happened with Scarface. Scarface went ah. from being this weird movie to like this weird template yeah. for like how I want to behave. Almost and something not, like people missing the point and thinking it's like something they should emulate when that's not exactly what it's going no, for. No, it's not. Scarface was not designed for yeah. for gangster for like a gangster template or how to. And it's kind of like what like Scarface became in the mid two thousands for a certain t demographic of the population. Mm -hmm. Spring Breakers has become for a certain demographic of the population, and that's where it's like it. Not that the movie. It's the movie's fault, but it's kind of like oh, I would imagine, like what people like thought of a Clockwork Orange, like back in like the seventies, is like oh, like people miss the fact that it's art and they take it as just a way to like behave, like they take it as an instruction manual on how to behave poorly because it's like yeah. it's like the equivalent of watching Jackass as a kid and trying to like jump off like jump off the roof onto your trampoline. It's like no. It's like, and that's the problem that we live in a society right now where we have so much cultural rot, where it's really hard to emulate. Uh, oh my God, what's his name from Scarface? Tony, uh, mm -hmm. whatever his name is, Al Pacino. Tony, uh, Mon is it Montana? Tony yes, Montana? Tony Montana. Yeah. Yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, it was a brain fart right there. But that's the thing, though, <laughs> is that people watch Spring Breakers now, and that one montage of them, and it's like, yeah, like we're gonna pee behind the dumpsters, and we're gonna sing <laughs> Britney Spears outside the liquor store. And, like we're wearing like brightly like neon colored skimpy outfits, and it's we're like gonna do, oh, we're gonna drink alcohol out of belly buttons and snort coke just to the side of that belly button, which I am saying is wrong. That's disgusting. <laughs> exactly, and that's my problem with Spring Breakers now as a movie is that it's just there's an ickiness that the culture has. That, oh God, the culture has permeated throughout that movie where I kind of I don't enjoy that movie anymore. Like I can still appreciate it as art or yeah, as yeah. much as much of art as you can from a Harmony Corinne film. But yeah, there's there's a part of me when it comes to like I'm trying to think like right now going to Spring Breakers, I have this a cinemodity. Now I, I not that like are we allowed are we allowed to revise Rob are oh, we God, allowed that's to exact, see that's I I kind of got the sense that that's where you were going with this and I don't know I don't know how I feel about I'm that. I'm not going to revise it. I'm not going to revise it. But I'm going to ask for an asterisk. Put like based on everything I said, a new generation has misinterpreted the movie and it makes me question its cinematic status. I can get behind that. I can get behind asterisks and addendums, like we said, for sure. Yes, and that's my concern, is that Spring Breakers is no longer this weird, like, niche thing that it was back in the day. It's, like, this is the type of movie now that would not be released in theaters. It would be put on Hulu oh, yeah. or Netflix or Amazon Prime, and everybody would be talking about it for a weekend, and then it would disappear. Yeah. But it would still be there. Like, it would still be there, but, like... It wouldn't be as niche as it was in 2013. Like, I saw it in a goddamn, like, like God, like a Tuesday morning... It was the weirdest thing. <laughs> like three other the best people. Best time to see it. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried. I remember getting into a fight with somebody like, like a couple of weeks later about it. Like why it was so profound. I got into a couple of fights with people over that movie, and now I I can't do that. I cannot. Ex mm -hmm. I, it's just idiots glommed onto it.
it, it ruined it. It's it's sure. it's very it's it's almost like a microcosm Avengers Endgame or the Avengers thing where it's just like idiots, idiots just ran with it and they ruined it. Which is the movie's fault. I don't blame the movie. I blame sure. the culture. Sure. But yeah, Spring Breakers. Um, I still recommend it because it's 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 weird enough, and James Franco gives the performance of a lifetime in it. Oh yes, I still to this day I think James Franco's best performance. Yeah, it's it's he is phenomenal in that. When I when I was watching a uh, eleven twenty two sixty three with James Franco, that the Hulu miniseries back in the day. I just every time, you know, James Franco is a completely different character. He's the protagonist of that one going back to stop Kennedy from getting assassinated. But, you know, there's a whole motif in that. I think it's like seven or eight episodes where, you know, he's back in time and he's like, you know, talking about how time is pushing back on him because time as a character, you know, knows the abstract character of time knows that he's there and he shouldn't be there. And I'm like, James Franco, you got to get time with your nunchucks. <laughs> I gotta, you need your nunchucks, James Franco. You got to whip time into shape. <laughs> uh, good old. Oh god, that character is so great. Oh yeah, but that's the alien, weird thing too. Alien, right? But that's yeah, alien. But that's the weird. That's not a weird thing though. Is it like he is the most pronounced thing in that movie? Yet he's not what's being emulated, and I mm. find that so weird. That like it's the four girls who eventually, well, two of them reject the lifestyle. Two of them, yes. it's kind of ambiguous at the end. And I don't grandma, know, Grandma. I want to come home. <laughs> <laughs> grandma, I want to party with you. <laughs> You're never gonna get this pussy. Oh God, that's like, that's the problem. It's a good movie. Like idiots. Like we're Avengers Endgame is like blah at best. Mm-hmm. Like Spring Breakers. Like it's interesting. Like it's yeah. it's Vox Lux level. Like where it's like it might not be profound, but. It's at least doing something different. And idiots just ran with it. And I guess like this is a good enough time as any to transition into my next uh, indeterminate. That's, that's what I was about to say. You set it up perfectly. Zach has to give us a late night movie for... Are you retarded? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, Vox Lux. You're retarded? No. Because sometimes your jaw slacks in a certain way where you look like life's just happening to you. You look like a retard. Oh, I, I, I should go without saying that. I think even Rob's heard me a little bit with this. We've, we've said on the podcast a couple of times since then. They're like, I am even more deeply in love with Vox Lux, the movie, than I was a year ago. Like, that I, is just... I haven't seen it since the episode, but I... Like, that's one of those movies, the more I think about it, the more and more I look back on it happily and respect it, for sure. And, you know, it's not just the, you know, are you retarded? Because sometimes you get that look in your eye. Like, your eyes glaze over like the world's just happening to you. Like, (laughs) not only that line, but literally the whole concept of that movie, the young to old, the the pummel down, the beating down of of Natalie Portman's, of Vox Lux herself, uh, you know, in the music industry, Jude Law and, you know, all those, the whole diner scene where, you know, she's like, can I get some alcohol? But I wanted to go coffee cup. And they're like, it's like 10 a.m. And she's like, I know. Can I get the alcohol in the coffee cup? <laughs> like, it's great. That, that's a fantastic uh, film. It really, like, I rewatched it in the last month. And it's one of those movies like I like, I I know it now inside out like I sure. there's nothing about the movie that I don't I don't have figured out I'm not figured out I don't remember I guess is the right word and I 
I just I I, uh, I I probably could discuss that movie again. Like that's another one of those movies. I probably could be probably like, okay, like if we ever if that episode ever got corrupted and we need to record it again, I'd be like, <laughs> I'm game. Like let's do this. Um, because there's just so much going on in that movie. Like I listen to the soundtrack religiously. Oh, I know back. Say, I, I know you say in that episode you're like Rob. I've been listening to the soundtrack and it's scratching that itch. <laughs> and I think there's like three minutes of audio of just like masturbation sounds that have to be cut out because <laughs> Zach loves it so much. Not nothing against that. Like I'm glad I... Zach loves it, but they're like once we once again the raw audio of cinemodities, it's gonna do some weird things to you. <laughs> I, I Rob can tell you, like in the last month, I've had some trials and tribulations on a personal level. And that soundtrack, man, that was that was it's my pillow at night. That was oh yep. yeah, like I like, oh god, and like the EKG song, I'm blinded by love. Like we'll insert, we'll like, like we'll do a medley. I'll insert it. Like, instead <laughs> okay. of having the one, that's one thing. Going back and listening to the Vox Lux um, uh, out, like episode, like I'm only thinking sort of one song, and now it's going to be a medley because like I like all the songs. Like it is like it's a movie. Everything about that movie is appreciated for me, and I, I'm still a little conflicted on the late night movie. Because I think as I watched it last time, I forgot that I was indeterminate about it. I'm like, how would I rank this a late night movie? Like, will I do it? But you do, because, you do see in the spreadsheet that I did put from that episode, not a later episode, that you are you were towards leaning towards a no. And I don't remember exactly why I felt that way. You might have said it, you might have not, but I felt it necessary to record that. So you were leaning towards no. And I, I get what you're saying that you you know this movie's grown in respect for you for both of us. But you you do have to give a you can't stay I, indeterminate I, for another year, Zach. That's that's the 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 board meeting is for getting shit done. <laughs> I, I like that we recorded this episode sometime like in mid April, and I know in that episode I'm like I'm kicking the can down the road, and eleven months later I'm like you know what I I could still kick the can down the road. Um, oh, late night movie for Vox Lux. I that first five minutes. I think's gonna turn a lot of people off. A uh, lot of people are not. That first five minutes is a little too real. It is amazing though, but I hear what you're saying. You know, like it, it could it could be something that breaks the bank. You know, when they're trying to get hooked. You know, when you're trying to get them to watch the whole thing, pay attention to it to give you that insight, that conversation. If it starts with this, it might be like, you know, uh, I, in, in extreme I, scenario, it might be someone be like, "Whoa, I don't, I don't want to watch this." As no. an extreme scenario. But I think uh, it's too real as in like it's it's a very graphic depiction of what that would I, I obviously I don't know, but that sort of event would be like. <laughs> but it's also a very different movie after that part. Yes. It's a yeah. very different movie. It's almost a movie in in three separate parts, I would say. The beginning, the childhood, and the adulthood. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that like the Natalie Portman performance, even though it's intentionally campy, yes, is going to turn people off. And that's the thing is that like I'm not just looking at this as a recommendation. Also, I was about to realize if you recommend a, a movie to the wrong person, it can do harm. A recommendation is a double-edged sword. So if you recommend a movie to an idiot, an idiot will then go around and tell fifty other people, "Don't watch this." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we. We've talked about it before the the response bias. People are more likely to say they hate something than if it was just okay. You know, the extremes are what get perpetuated, and in this day and age, the negative extreme is the much more common one. And that's what I'm afraid of, because like, but at the same time, though, 
there's the other aspect of like if a movie catches on, like an underground movie, relatively speaking, catches on, you get a spring breakers where you have an entire group of it. It's kind of like, well, I prefer Vox Lux to stay hidden underground or to come above surface like spring breakers and have a bunch of idiots glom onto it for the wrong reason. You're right. And, that, and I'm not saying anyone's going to watch Vox Lux and then go shoot up a school. I'm not saying that. It's the notion of <laughs> Vox Lux is like, I still don't know what Vox Lux is trying to tell me. Yes. But I still think it's profound, the ending, in that, like, oh, Celeste made a deal with the devil. And at the end, like, the sister and the daughter are not, I get to think about it, the very end of that movie, the sister and the daughter, everybody's dancing and jiving around. Mm-hmm. And the sister and the daughter are just sitting there, just kind of blankly staring into the void of her doing her, her musical number. Yeah, and then by. And then after Willem Dafoe has his final piece of narration, they both get into it. They are just as ensnared in this as everybody else is. Oh, All okay. while Jude Law, again, I, I, as time goes on, Jude Law has to be the devil. Like that, ha- if I could talk to Brady Corbet, like Jude Law has to be the devil in the movie because he's the thing that corrupts everything. He corrupts. Okay. He, he, he leads Celeste, Celeste down that path. He corrupts the sister. He ruins the relationship. Um. Yeah. You can fuck me a little while we're high. But even before that, remember, he had sex <laughs> oh, with his oh, sister absolutely. on 9-11. Remember Abs- that? It's, that's, that's another oh 9-11. Box Lux is another 9-11 movie for cinema. When she busts into the hotel room and she's like, mm-hmm. you got, it's like, you got to, it's like, what, what? You got to, we got to call, like, you got to call mom and dad or whatever. And it's like, what? They turn on the TV. Boom. 9-11. Nope. No, they don't. No, it's it's a line of dialogue. It's never shown. Oh, she says. Oh, okay. She says she gets in because like we're given oh, the timetable. Thinking of Euphoria when they show the <laughs> plane hit the tower. Fuck that show. <laughs> oh, I was Rob. born on nine eleven. <laughs> Rob, Rob, what's the phrase that page from Euphoria? Uh, two, please. <laughs> no, right before that. No, right, but uh, bitch, we don't need carves. <laughs> <laughs> And the sequence of the year, I guess we should mention, can we talk about Euphoria? Okay. Maybe okay. after I we finish these, okay. before we do the we snacks. Have to, we can, we yeah. have to talk about Euphoria we, a little you're, bit. You're right. How did I not? Because later on, we're going to talk about something we discussed in a previous bonus episode that I felt we discussed so much we needed to answer our questions about. You're making a good point, Zach. We've referenced Euphoria a handful of times on here. Oh, Euphoria. Euphoria, oh, <laughs> no, Euphoria like turned out to be awful. Okay, but, okay let's let's finish okay, Vox Lux yeah, in okay. mine, and then we'll get. Oh I'm, I'm crap, Vox! Oh, I don't want to answer on Vox Lux because I <laughs> want that movie to get the respect it deserves, but I don't want the idiots to glom onto it. That's the problem. You bring like if it comes above, think about it, if a rock's underground, it's nice and surrounded by dirt. But the moment it comes about above ground, like algae will start growing on it, and like moss. Mm-hmm. I don't like that. Oh, this you is can crazy. change. I, I, you have to make a decision. I know I, can, I have to make a decision. Put, I can put an addendum in the spreadsheet that you want to revisit it a year from now, though. If that's no, really what you want to do, no. why don't you want to do you? You do your next one. Come back to me because I, I, oh, I have okay. to. Pa- I have to okay, think okay. about okay. this. This is. I, I, I am. I love this movie though, but I don't want the idiots ruining it. <laughs> Go ahead, Rob. This okay. Is, okay. 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 For the record, for the record, I, no matter what my answer is in the next five to fifteen minutes, I want it noted in the spreadsheet. This was. A vi- this is the most difficult choice I've ever had to make on Cinematics because a year later I am arguably more conflicted than when I was back then. <laughs> yes, we we have we often have probably once a week. There's Cinematics board meetings. The ex- yearly extravaganza is the only one that we record. Welcome to what 
goes on behind the scenes of the restaurant. <laughs> yes, it's Zach just sitting in the, in like the the manager's office, just like banging his head against the wall, being like, ah, ah. And I'm like, Zach, the longer you make me wait, the more I'm gonna drink. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But okay, you're pa- you're passing it to me. Uh, like I said, uh, I had uh, Zach had two late nights. I had one na- late night, and the only one of the two of us that had to fill in a cinemodity is me with the good old fansgiving episode suggested by none other than Scott E himself, Dragon Blade. So like I said, I did I did go back and watch Dragon Blade as, along with Spring Breakers to try and you know guide my decision. Before I talk about what I've decided, I want to read what's in the spreadsheet for my answer to Cinemodities for Dragon Blade. The slammiest slam dunk we've had in a while, but Zach doesn't like my answer. It's a slam dunk right now, but plays as an indeterminate in the long run, and Zach really doesn't like that answer. (laughs) (laughs) I remember this. I didn't go back and listen to the episode, but I remember I was like, oh my god, when I watched it, it was a slam dunk, but after this conversation, you've given me some insight that makes me kind of, you know, not be sure when I think about it. And if you remember, my big problem with that movie was that it made no sense to me like i had so much trouble following what was happening at any point in dragon blade that that's why i thought it was a cinemodity but after that discussion and i was like maybe if i watch it again i will gain some insight i did watch it again Uh, i think i think it made fucking less sense to me this movie is baffling to me zach i was i i think watching it again and me having no clue what is happening at any point in time Paired with your description, which I do find very apt, that it is China's, like, baby China's first Hollywood movie, or whatever you described it as, mm-hmm. like, a foreign market trying to Ch- recreate... Yeah, China's a, first blockbuster, yeah. China's first blockbuster, yes, thank you. Trying to recreate something from America. Those two things paired together that I can't fucking understand anything that happens in this movie with that interpretation. This is getting an absolutely, for me, on cinemodity. I... I... I God damn, Scott E, you blew my mind. This might be what you wanted to do. You picked a good one, and even though it didn't work on Zach, you you have given me a movie that I literally say I don't understand. And it's not even that I don't understand it, I want to analyze it. It's like I don't understand it, and I'm baffled about the fact why I don't understand it. So I'm going absolutely. I don't I don't think I ever want to watch it again, but now I've seen it twice, oh, three times. I watched oh it God. twice for the first recording. To try and make sense of it, and it made even less sense to me. Goddamn, John Cusack, Adrian Brody, oh my god. It's giving me an aneurysm just thinking about this goddamn movie. So that for that reason, it's a cinemodity. Absolutely. All right. Fair. I'm guessing fair. you don't have as much to say about Dragon Blade as you no. do Spring Breakers. <laughs> no. Or Vox Locks. No. I, or, dra- yes. Dragon Blade was fine. Like I I I remember, I remember you and Scott E being flummoxed by it, and me being like, I could explain it in about three sentences. I'm like, yeah. okay, I, I get why he recommended it. I get it, but like, I don't think it's any sort of mystery. Scott E's in my corner. He's on Team Rob, as we've, yes. as we've discussed. Yes, and I'm very <laughs> disappointed that uh, nobody's on Team Zach. I think I put out that call to action a couple. You episodes did. You ago. were like, you were like Emily. Which team are you on? And we've never heard from Emily no, we, because I think e- Emily unsubscribed. Upset. Yeah, she she's upset. We've never talked about the thief and the cobbler. That was the last we heard from her. <laughs> Yeah, oh god, that was back in what? Uh, December, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. December plus. Okay, so I've done some more thinking on Vox Lux. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there was, there, was about, there was about a 45 minute break we just had to cut out from the raw audio where Zach needed a moment. <laughs> 
Zach needed to liberate. I had to go back in my chambers like a judge. He watched the uh, he watched the supercut of the movie, not the whole movie, but just the big points. You know. <laughs> oh, Rob, I couldn't do that to Vox Lux. I, I'd have to watch all Vox Lux. If you actually did that, you know what I would say to you? Are you retarded? <laughs> sometimes oh. you get that look in your eye like the world's just happening to you <laughs> oh my god oh my god like that's like the only thing is like i love this movie but like the only companion piece i can think of in recent memory on the same level of like fox Lux would be like uncut gems mm-hmm. and i'm looking what do you mean like a- by companion i'm not sure i get what you're saying there i th- i see them both as very similar movies now you have a actress that's I don't want to say, like, obviously Adam Sandler is much more typecast in the sort of, like, roles that he does than Natalie Portman. But they're both kind of acting against type in a very sort of, like, the protagonist of the story is more or less a bad person. Oh, and they both both are making some poor decisions. Destructive decisions. Yeah. And I see them, like, as companion pieces is is cinema. And that's where I'm trying to think... Because like I'm looking at like Vox Lux's Rotten Tomatoes score and the audience score and what its rating on IMDb is and what its Metacritic score is. Mm-hmm. And Metac- on, on um, IMDb has a 5.9, which is like lower than Uncut Gems that has 7.6. Okay. It's lower than a bunch of other things too, like similar movies like uh, Nicholas Winding Reference and Neon Demon. Oh. Um, Weird ass movies with like a female protagonist. Sure. And. That's the sort of thing that, like, it's it's definitely on the lower end. The only other movie I could see it it's above is um another Nicholas Winding Refn film is uh, Only God Forgives, which I love. Everybody hates. Like, every time I watch that movie, I expect to hate it, and I love it each time even more. I don't um, think I've seen that one. Okay, I'll check it out. It's uh, Ryan Gosling in uh, Thailand. That's all you need to know. And I think I think in all honesty, <laughs> that's that's all I need to know. Okay, because <laughs> remember, folks, he is my boyfriend. Yeah, I've only seen Drive and Neon Demon, so. Uh, he's delightful. He is delightful. Um, but no, going back to Vox Lux, I, it seems like Vox Lux reminds me of lot of when I saw. I don't think I, I didn't tell the story in the podcast. I know Rob's heard it. That I saw Uncut Gems at home, and then I saw it in a theater because I loved it that much. I needed mm-hmm. to experience it in a theater, and I was in a theater with two gentlemen. They had to be at least sixty years old, if not older. And at the very end, they go, "Well, that sucked. We should have seen." some other dumb movie instead um i think it's that jamie fox movie with no um michael b jordan jamie fox and brie larson that movie where <clears throat> they're helping him he's oh, on death row the, the lawyer yeah okay yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah. want to help him he's on death row it's like we should have seen that instead and it's like it's like you just shake your head it's like oh god and that's what <clears throat> like i think rob can agree Vox lux and uncut gems are both movies that are they have mainstream appeal but mainstream audiences are going to reject them yes that's a good way to put it and that's my thing. We're like, I want to recommend Uncut Gems, but I know people will not like it. I want to recommend Drive. Yeah, I know people won't like it. Mm-hmm. I want to recommend Vox Lux, but I know people won't like it. And that's why I'm going to have to say no for a late night movie. Okay. It's a no for you, Doug. It's a no for me, Doug. At but least very- for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 oh god! I, I, that's the thing, though. Is like we're spring. I never felt too strongly about Spring Breakers. Like I enjoyed it, sure, yeah. But I love Vox Lux. Like I love 
everything. Even the weird thing that's become in the restaurant now. The vo- I think about it now. It's like we don't say animatronic. It's the Vox Lux animatronic. <laughs> yes. it's, it's become kind of like our own brand of like animatronics. Like even <laughs> folks like starting the first series of April, you're going to hear what's going to something's going to happen to the Vox Lux animatronic the first weekend of April. That Zach's not happy about. <laughs> yeah, and that's like that's the problem is that like i love vox lux but i know people will reject it and okay but i also at the same time though i'm protecting it because i don't want it not saying that like people are gonna watch vox lux and, and emulate uh, the titular character but i feel better hiding it underground because even if i do bring it above mm-hmm. ground i feel all will do is get stepped on fair i understand so yes that is uh is a no from me dog Okay, so we did our fill-ins for late night and cinemodity, and as we said, I guess I don't want—I don't want to spend too much time on this, Zach, because it's the fucking worst thing. Euphoria, goddamn Euphoria! Two, please. <laughs> God, what, what was Euphoria? Eight episodes on HBO. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's—it's it's one of the, the the only things I've watched in recent history before it was over, and I blame you for that, Zach. I can't. You know what this thing is? I don't is. even. I, you know, when I think back, I don't know why I watched any more after the first episode. I mean, I'm glad I saw. Oh the come on! The carnival yeah, exactly. Episode. Damn straight. You're I'm lucky glad you saw I the saw carnival. that. But but there was that. My I think my summary of of Euphoria is very few scenes were sincere, good depictions of individual depression, but for the most part, it was tropey nonsense of a drug addict. Or teenagers being drug addicts, and I hated it. I hated it. I don't know. What do you want? I know. I know. No. Okay. Because I, I, there is a backup guy. We should. I wanted to talk about Euphoria, but Rob kind of talked me out of it on the podcast, and that was also during the sketch comedy fort month. I think. I think there's one episode where I, I, I reference Euphoria, but I don't say the word, and I say something like, "It's so bad, I don't even want to name it." <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. I have a I have a huge disdain for that show. Well, so do I because they ruined it in the last two episodes. Because the last first six, seven episodes, <laughs> no, Rob. The first six episodes were men, women, and children level goofy. But like, oh, oh part, yeah, you're right. They, they're offensive. Yes, you're absolutely correct. They offend me as a person. They're offensively delightful. Um, that might be up there with my favorite term of all time: malignant narcissism. <laughs> yes, Offen- right. Offensively amazing. Um. But that's the thing about Euphoria was like when I was watching that in real time because that was there was a oh god it was a manufactured uh, controversy that like in the first episode there was gonna be thirty shots of penises in the first episode everyone's like whoa that's crazy unless you've watched HBO in the last twenty five years you've realized whoa it's not yeah and yeah. remember remember Oz in the man's prison remember that <laughs> yeah. But I guess the thing that made everybody so upset was that it was teenagers. And it's like, okay. it's supposed to, okay, it's emulating teenagers. Obviously, all the actors are of age. And the thing about Euphoria was, as I was watching it, it was a very similar thing to what was like, like happening in my life at the time. People were asking me a lot of like, oh, is high school, like, like from what we're hearing about high school in real life, is it as bad as like you remember? And as Rob can tell you, when we were in high school... Like we don't have any of those stories to tell. No, well, not, not at all. No, I didn't. I was. I, I think maybe like when I was in high school, I 
was like the first time I tried beer and I hated it, but I didn't get into anything crazy, whether it be drugs or, you know, any bad in air quotes activity. That was all after I moved away, like Zach and I have talked about, not on this podcast, but, you know, off mic before. It took me like absconding uh, with my life from my parents because we, Zach and I both lived with our parents and that was definitely a big kind of cap on you know, the nonsense we did. Hell, no, we, we did talk about this in the movies we've seen together. We went to the movies. That was the most exciting thing we ever did. And, and, and then, we threw dry ice into a bucket of water. Yeah, and then one time we went to Crazy City. <laughs> oh, Rob, I have to mention, I found my Crazy City card. Did you really? I do. I'm keeping it in a very Frame safe it. place. Frame it. Let's put it in the office at the restaurant. There <laughs> you go. Where our desks are, yep. <laughs> How it all began. Um... So the thing about going back to euphoria was like a lot of people were asking me, I have a family member going into the same high school that Rob and I went to mm -hmm. and it had been nine years since I graduated, since we graduated. And they're like, Oh, is, is the high school stuff is bad. Like, like is what we're hearing. And I'm like, I never experienced it firsthand. And then I'm, I'm like, I don't know if it's because it wasn't happening or it was because we were just so insulated from it. Yeah, yeah. And then euphoria comes along. And I know that was a big thing that every week Rob and I would talk about before we started recording. And I'd be like, I forget whoever it was, was the writer showrunner on it. But I'm like, this has to be wish fulfillment. Yeah. Oh, that's ha right. Yeah. Has to, that was a big thing. I forget what his name is. And he was somebody's son. He was some like famous writer or Hollywood producer's son. And the conclusion that I came to at the time was, oh, this has to be wish fulfillment. This is somebody living the life they wish they could have lived, uh, lived 15, 20 years earlier. But in light of recent events and revelations in my own personal life, I've come to the conclusion that I don't think euphoria is as far-fetched as I hoped it was. <laughs> and so a part of me, like, I can't even bear to think of euphoria anymore because of just, like... Like it's kind of like one of those things where like it's it's euphoria is the evolution of spring breakers. Yeah. In that in that people a group of teenagers watch spring breakers and all the other crap of that ilk. And then it eventually evolved into euphoria where you where spring breakers is not a ref Spring Breakers is a very hyper, hyper realistic mirror being held up to that sort of thing of Spring Break. Oh, absolutely. Like, like I would describe it as the the tropiness, which is what I really disliked about it. But I think we're saying the same thing in that respect. But it you, is the amplification of that. Yes, but I think Euphoria is a mirror where there's a black light held up to it, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, only the bad is being amplified, or the 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 um. The criminality of some of it, yeah. I don't even think the criminality. I think it's just like I think it's 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 more realistic than I could have possibly imagined. Well, I think, I, think, I think that's where we're gonna disagree because it was realistic in the sense that this stuff is happening, but within specific scenes, it was getting tropey. Like the one that comes to mind is when the you know uh, Zendaya is the main character. Her drug dealer is Mac Miller, who's we thought was dead, but he's not. He's in this show. But then there's I forgot about the first that. drug dealer that shows up, and I'm like, yeah, I get it. Yeah, high school students are probably on, you know, H and, and addictive shit all the time. I get it. Like, I, I don't think that's false. But it killed me when the show's like, oh, and then the even worse drug dealer shows up, and he forces Zendaya to take fentanyl. And I'm like, this doesn't happen. 
Like this does this is a trope that's been around forever. Like a drug dealer is never gonna tr- like get, try and get you hooked. That just doesn't happen. They want to stay under the radar and they want money. They're never gonna risk sending someone to the hospital or killing somebody just because it's oh yeah we're making fun of this little girl. Fuck that. And I think that's where the difference is. Is that I'm with you, Zach. This probably happens. But Euphoria took it like two levels too far and made it tropey and nonsensical and stupid to me. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, I don't have any. <laughs> I don't have any complaints in that department. Like I'm willing to. It's melodrama. Like I'm willing to concede that. I, I'm not going to knock it for the melodramatic aspects of the show. Where Rob is, Rob can't get over that. I just, I it's it's part and parcel. It's baked into the pie. Fair. My thing is that it's not as like I was laughing at it the same way I was laughing or not yes laughing at it but also enjoying it to the same level I enjoyed men women and children sure and then again realization and I think euphoria would make a lot more sense if it was taking place in college instead of high school hell yeah which you know to be fair we do have some characters that are in college that come back to the high school parties uh, Sydney Sweeney's boyfriend the football player who i can't remember his name or anything about matter. him it doesn't you're, matter you're damn right it doesn't matter only thing that matters in that show is sydney sweeney uh but yeah it, it, it is centered in high school drama and that's a big problem not even it's a big problem like i i i get it it's just a it's a backdropping like whatever i don't care but like I said, I think part of my like, much like what happened with Spring Breakers, I think a lot of how I enjoyed Euphoria is now like don't get me wrong. Some like Sydney Sweeney on the carousel is like that's oh that's beautiful. Like, that's yeah, that, just, that's the best part of Euphoria is that first like twenty minutes of episode four where they're at the carnival because the way it's shot, the way it's written, the way the story is told is as manic and unrelenting as the stupidity for the rest of the show. But the show's finally owning it, and that's why I like that. It was, and that's, yeah. And then the last two episodes just go completely just off the rails. Okay, spoiler like, spoiler alert. The big reveal at the end of one of of you end of season one of Euphoria is that the sweatshirt Zendaya sometimes wears was her father's. That's the big reveal at the end of season one. And then guess what? There's a music video. Fucking stupid, stupid shit, man. I, I, to be fair, I I don't know. I'm torn. Do I hate Euphoria more or do I hate Watchmen more? I'm torn, but they're both very bad. So now we're going to talk about The Sopranos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, Euphoria. Euphoria. Yeah, I, 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 it's giving me a no for me, dog. Two, please. Oh, God. So Sydney, it, it, Sydney Sweeney's amazing. I, I, I the really girlfriend. Know. What was what was the girlfriend that like that, that wore the the the, the flu? Oh god, I, want, I think flu. Oh my like, god! Yes, when, remember uh, the outfit. The episode starts and you see her walking at the carnival, and I I'm watching it on my television, and I say out loud in my apartment, "Man, she looks like a prostitute." And then as soon as she meets up with the boyfriend, the boyfriend goes, "You look like a hooker," and I go, "Yeah, <laughs> that's the point." I I do not remember her name, but you know they go it doesn't and matter. They, they, they want to buy ecstasy because they're both having bad times with their boyfriends or semi-boyfriends because, you know, fucking everybody's fucking everybody in this show. And uh, they decide to do ecstasy and they go to M- younger Mac Miller, mini Mac Miller. Mini Mac Miller. Mini Mac. <laughs> mini Mac. Mini Mac. And, they, and she has a coupon. She has like a, a ticket that's going to get them ecstasy. But, of course, to cover it, 
they have to go and hand this coupon, and Minnie Mac Miller's like, how many pretzels would you like? And the fucking character with the coupon, who knows she's going to buy ecstasy, responds to this question with, bitch, we don't eat carbs. That makes no sense. And then it takes Sydney Sweeney, the person she's done uh. to tag along, to go, two, please. And then they throw out the pretzels, and they take the ecstasy. Sydney Sweeney has an orgasm because the fucking... <laughs> Carousel horse is rubbing her in the right way and Hey. Hey. You not having fun? No. Yeah, me neither. You wanna do Molly? Welcome to Pretzelmania. Can I take your order? How many pretzels do you want? We don't eat carbs. Two, please. That'll be 40. Okay, the other scene, now they're on the topic of Euphoria. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, don't you, wanna, you dare understand. Don't you dare undersell that yes. moment. <laughs> that, okay, he, he, you have a problem, sir. You're, you're going to put in the spreadsheet. Next year, you got to work on this. For the next, for going into our third year no, of Cinematic like Special set. You, you got to <laughs> stop underselling these moments. Because I, you I know, all Zach this says, weird. Zach says, I can't give things away. And then when I do give things away, I can't undersell them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the problem. It upsets me because that moment is nothing short. Like that is men, women, and children levels of insanity. That's up there with a dude boinking a Nerf that, football that he gutted. True. I'll, I'll give you that. That's I'll give you up that. there. That's one of those moments, man. Like euphoria is a goddamn mess, but you know what? <laughs> it did something I never expected to see. <laughs> like folks, when I woke up that morning, I did not expect to watch a TV show where a teenager, a te teenage girl on the show gets off where a merry-go-round carousel, like yep. Rob says, is hitting her in the right spot to the point where, like, she like <laughs> makes a mess of herself on the merry-go-round and gets her attention. Yup, that's a thing that happens. Who, please? <laughs> <laughs> and that is the I, that is the icing on the cake. The two please and bitch, we don't eat carbs. Like that yeah, is just, and you have the hooker outfit. And all while this yeah. is going on, you have like the dumb melodrama. Remember, even there's the fat girl that's like just basically boinking anything that moves. Oh my god, the one who's doing the cam shows online. Yes, and she has sex with like the derelict from like like the high school derelict. That's like a carny under the like, bleachers, right? It's something like that. It might be a bleacher. <laughs> it blurs like I said, this is the tropiest show in existence. Don't you dare. No, it, it, it's, but like, it's, oh God, that's the problem though. Is that like the, the merry-go-round thing for the most part, like I'm pretty sure, I think, I, I hope, I hope that I feel safe in saying this, that that doesn't happen often. I would imagine that a very limited number of the population have that ability to get off on a merry-go-round. We've said it before on Cinemodities, uh, just to uh, fill it back in, Rob and Zach are <laughs> male. <laughs> we don't have the same experiences that Sydney Sweeney or women have on carousels. Just, just <laughs> put it out there, we don't know. Not if that's a good thing or bad thing, just saying, we don't know. We don't know. Rob, I've got the perfect addition to the Cinemodities restaurant. Oh, not related to Ham Banana? No, not Ham Banana. We, so we haven't year we, overall? We, we, we haven't talked about that yet, Rob. You stop skipping ahead like 45 minutes oh, to the well, record. Okay. Rob, when okay. it comes to euphoria, I've got it. The perfect addition to the restaurant. I don't know, a sweatshirt? The <laughs> Cinemodities Carousel. The are there going to be dildos attached to it? What are you saying? 
No, Rob, not even that pronounced. Okay. This is the tagline. The Cinemodity's carousel, and then underneath it says, the only carousel you get off on twice. (laughs) So, So you're telling me. (laughs) <laughs> you're telling me that you're taking two please and putting it to a ride? <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> I've got to say, I love it. <laughs> this, is all, this, is, this is so good. This is so good. This is so good. That's the greatest tagline for a ride. <laughs> the only ride you get off on twice. <laughs> We figured out. We've got our first piece of Cinemati's merchandise, folks. We're doing lithographs. Yo, take that like button on the uh, Cinemati's carousel. Oh man, it's good. No, that's an even number of times. No, I fucked it up. Two is even. <laughs> We're right back to square one. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to watch Euphoria, watch the first like 20, 25 minutes of episode four. That carnival scene is a masterpiece. I, I, to this day, it's one of the only things I remember from Euphoria because it's actually shot as, like I said, manically and, you know, bipolary as the rest of the show, but it's finally owning it. And I, I absolutely loved it. You know, I thought it was going to turn around and it didn't. But I have to bring up, because we're on topic of Euphoria, there's one other scene with the great Sydney Sweeney that sticks out to me. Oh, I, okay. I, I hope I know where you're going with this. Do you want to take a guess or do you just want me to go for it? Is it the scene where, like, does she br- does she break up with the boyfriend? Well, no, they're on a hiatus because he he's upset because the coach benched him, okay. so he doesn't know what his life is about. But uh, I guess I'm going to say one line: "Who the fuck do you think you are? Yes, You're yes. boring." I, <laughs> dude, I I think this this has probably happened to women in high school and college, hell and well beyond. And I'm I'm very upset for them because it is a very manipulative moment, but it stands out in Euphoria. Because Sydney Sweeney's at a party, and she hooks up. She's trying to hook up with some guy. They form a connection. They go upstairs to one of the bedrooms, and as they're making out, and you know, there's a little touching going on. She stops and she goes like, "No, I gotta be a, uh, I gotta be faithful. Like I have a boyfriend. You know, it's like I can't do this with you." And the guy, who's not a major character, if I remember, just some dude that she met. No, at this party. he he, he shows he shows up a couple of times. Like okay. he's not I don't, he's not a major I could character. Not tell you, I sh- couldn't even I don't even remember his face. He's just a guy in this scene. He <laughs> is a guy McFace, but like he's he shows up a couple of times in the series. Okay. Like he's he's not one of the characters that gets focused on each episode, but he's he's yeah. around. He gets around. But Sydney Sweeney says no, and the guy comes back with a very abusive and manipulative manipulative monologue going who the fuck do you think you are? You think we can just talk and like learn about each other? You're fucking boring. You're just a piece of meat that I'm trying to stick my dick in. <sighs> who the fuck do you think you are? What? Well, this is literally the second time you've done this to me. So if we're not going to fuck, then what are we doing? Are you being serious? You think I'm here because I'm interested in you? And what you have to say, or what you think about things, is if you're so fucking interesting. Fuck, are you dumb? You came on to me, remember? And ever since then, you show up, you lead me on, and then you whine about your fucking boyfriend. Like every time you start talking, I think to myself, who the fuck does this girl think she is? You are so fucking boring. 
Hey, I'm gonna be honest with you because no one else will. Any guy who says he's interested in you beyond just fucking you is full of shit. So good luck with your boyfriend. Oh, you're crying now. What else is new? And uh, he does say she's boring. He doesn't say <laughs> yeah, no, piece of meat. I know. But I know that's but the motif does. of that scene. But he the boring does say, is better. Oh yeah, it, it blew my mind because this is a really intense scene where he's like, "Who the fuck do you think you are? You're boring," and it hits her. It hits her hard. But the Sydney Sweeney at the carnival, the carnival scene, and Sydney Sweeney getting abused verbally in this bedroom. <laughs> those are the only two things that stick out to me. I think half because, you know, those are the only two well-written or well-shot scenes in the show. And uh, I love Sydney Sweeney. She's great. <laughs> Did she, nothing really happened because she had a very, very brief moment in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, as one and of the Manson girls, yeah. Yeah. No, well, she was part of the, yeah, she's one of the cult. Part oh, of the yeah, cult spawn, she's at the Spawn Ranch, yeah. Yeah. But, like, I don't think anything happened. Like, she's probably still working, but, like, I was, I was kind of hoping her career would take off after that, between, like, Euphoria and that. She's great. We should, like, like, without getting into specifics, but like they kind of like her character goes nowhere in Euphoria. She has nothing to do, and it's very unfortunate. Yeah, because she was the most. She was one of the more interesting characters in that show. Yeah, I I loved her. She's great. All right, Rob. Speaking of which, speaking of which, I can't. I'm so glad I caught. I remembered this. She has a very small part. Very small part. In Law and Order. In Under the Silver Lake. Oh, does she? Yeah, very, very tiny. Just one scene, I think maybe one line where she says, thank you. But that's it. <laughs> oh. Okay, so maybe in maybe in the in the short story of Henry, when we cast that, we can get Sydney Sweeney to play um I don't know. <laughs> Naomi <anybody>. Watts. Any <laughs> In six years, Sydney Sweeney will grow up to be Naomi Watts in mom jeans. <laughs> And she can say two, please. They ask her how many children she wants. She'll be like, two, please. Two, please. Oh, my God. Oh, you, like I said, it writes itself. That scene, that's the that's like the, the intro scene, the conception of Henry with her and the father. How many kids do you want? Two, please. <laughs> <laughs> Sydney Sweeney's great. All aside, she hasn't done much, but she is she is fantastic. Uh, she's beautiful. She's a, she's a good actress for what we've seen her in. For the, and, for the uh, for minimal stuff she's been given. Maybe to work the, with. yeah, maximally you know thirty six minutes of screen time I've ever seen her in. She's great. And uh, to end this out, I think I can say it the best way. Uh, Sydney Sweeney, do you smoke? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a deal breaker. I'm just wondering. <laughs> Oh, dear. All right, Roz, so where are we moving on after this? Okay, we did our impromptu euphoria. That was not in the agenda. That was not in the minutes for this board meeting, everybody, but we did it. We have to move on to continuing to fill in our spreadsheet where I think it's new this year. We didn't have any last year. We got to fill in some snacks. You ready? Oh, boy. We have a question from Charlie's Angels Full Throttle. Uh, I guess just to uh, tie in one of the loose ends from that episode, I'm still waiting on uh, hearing from Lucy Liu. Uh, doors always open. But we had the question in the spreadsheet, what is cheese on a stick? Did you give any thought to this, Zach? What is cheese on a it stick? Has, I thought about it. It has to be like a mozzarella stick on it, like a stick. But that's, like has not, that's, that's cheese in a stick, not on a stick. I I don't know, Rob. It's one thing I can think of, like concession food like stuff. Like It's kind of like, yeah, I would imagine it's got to be something like it, like a, oh God, like a state fair 
or like instead of like a corn dog or like something like that, it's probably cheese on a stick. It's probably something that's just it's probably a piece of cheese deep fried on a stick, like a corn dog. Okay, where where it's basically it's like a big piece of cheese where they they skewer it, they batter it up, yep. drop it in the deep fryer, got a cheese on a stick. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's something I can think of. It's gotta be. I, I was thinking though for the restaurant, I agree with your assessment, but I was thinking for the restaurant we do that, but we don't deep fry it. So basically, oh. <laughs> we just have like a piece of string cheese and we skewer it. And I'm not even talking skewering it like the long way. We put it on the skewer <laughs> like it's a hot dog over a fire and it's flapping around and it's uncooked like just just cheese and stick form on a on a kebab. You know? Okay. What do you think? <laughs> I dig it. I can dig it. <laughs> because the other, go for it. I want it to be like giant hunks of mozzarella, though. Okay, okay, I can get behind that. I, the thing I was thinking no more of is I got into this idea because I, I don't, I didn't look into the history of our menu items, but I think that this might be one of the first items where while we are giving our customers food, like it's, it is cheese that you can eat, it's completely edible, we are simultaneously giving them a sharp object mm. in terms of the skewer. So I, I, I kind of like that, you know? <laughs> maybe, it could be like, maybe it could be like a fondue skewer, like a, like a fondue fork. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, and of course, we'll have to figure out what's cheapest for us, what we can conjure up with the magic or supernatural stuff we have in the restaurant, maybe make it cheap. You know, we're not going to like a grocery store and buying skewers or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, screw that. Fuck that. You know, maybe we can take a picture of one of our wait staff with the evil camera from Goosebumps and it'll turn them into a carton of skewers. <laughs> you think we can get lucky? You sure it'll turn into a cart or just one? I, I know that's that's the risk. That's the risk that we well, run. Well, well remember, camera. Rob, remember, we're also an attraction restaurant now. So we can do is just suck people up and just turn them in mass into uh, skewer forks. <laughs> oh, large sample size. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So who cares? Let's go for it. See, this this is why the board meetings are great, because you get Zach saying, let's go for it. <laughs> So yeah, anything else about cheese on a stick? That was a quick one. I think we had. Yeah, it's it's still goofy. Like the fact that someone had to make that sign in the prop like prop work, like workshop is yeah, kind of like absolutely. fascinating. But um, Lucy, yeah. hit me up. Hit me up. Hit him up, along with Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, not at the same time though. You know, <laughs> I don't want to do any of that like Mrs. Doubtfire stuff where I'm jumping between restaurant tables. <laughs> <laughs> the next snack that we had to fill in is not a snack, but it is something that in our adventures in babysitting episode. We decided we want to offer, I don't remember how, if it was going to be through our coupons or through our advertisements or maybe on placemats. I think that might have come up as a quick discussion. If we had scratch and sniff items. Oh, yes, yes, what yes, scents, yes. What what smells do we want? And I, I came up with three. I didn't give this a lot of thought because I quickly realized that when I started to think about this, I could fill an entire page and probably make Zach want to kill himself. So okay. I decided to pick two smells that I am very familiar with and one smell that was a question to me that I don't think I've ever smelled before, but let's get it involved in our scratch and sniff stickers. So I'm going to start with the two that I was familiar with. I want one of our scratch and sniff scents to be burning hair. <laughs> Have you ever smelled burning hair, Zach? Like, yeah, I, I know the point you're getting at. I think I've asked you this back before this podcast many years when we live near each other. If you've ever smelled burning hair, burning hair is one of the worst smells in existence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you ever wonder why, you know, uh, like, 
I get, I, I know a person who cuts hair professionally. And one of the things that always comes up is, you know, when it's been in my backyard, I think it's been years or a year since we talked about this, but I'll have someone come over. People come over, this girl, she cuts hair. She's a hairstylist professionally. We'll go out in my backyard. We'll take turns. She'll cut our hair. We'll buy her pizza, food, whatever, kind of a good barter system. And one of the first times this happened, you know, we had a whole bunch of haircuts in my backyard. And she was like, do we need to, like, clean up the hair back here? And I was like, no. I was like, just leave it. Like, it's going to blow away. It's going to go in the dirt, whatever. I don't care. And one of the first things she said was, well, are birds going to take it to make nests? And I was like, absolutely fucking not. Like, do you know how many chemicals we put in our hair with shampoo and conditioner and everything else and gel? A bird's never going to want to touch this. And they don't. I have had hair sitting in my backyard from like 16 months ago now. And I need to sweep it away. Otherwise, it's never going to move, you know? And this is exactly why hair smells terrible when it's burnt. Because we don't just have hair. We have chemically treated hair. Maybe people with dead dreadlocks actually have hair, you know, because they don't wash it. They don't put – well, I think they put, like, conditioner in it or something or some type of moisturizer. But burning hair does not smell good, not because hair in- inherently smells bad when you burn it, but because it is inundated with chemicals in this day and age. Keep that in mind, Zach in the audience. Keep that mm. in mind. The next smell that I'm very familiar with that I want a scratch-and-sniff scent for is the smell – of the inside of a refrigerator. You ever you ever put a lot of food? You got a bunch of different foods in your refrigerator. Maybe some are covered, some are uncovered. But you got this cold environment that's stagnating smells, and it's just <laughs> it's kind of weird. You know? You ever smell the inside of your refrigerator, Zach? You ever do that? I know. Again, once again, I get what you're. I know what you're getting at. Yes. Okay. So the two that I'm familiar with are burning hair and refrigerator. <laughs> Maybe it should be inside of a refrigerator because if you smell the outside of a refrigerator, what? I don't – I've never done that, I guess. That's a good way to put it. But now I have That's a just third. kitchen. That's just kitchen yeah, at that yeah, point. That, yeah, exactly. That's whatever else you got going on in your apartment. You know, it's the exterior. You want the inside. You want in the crisper drawer type of shit, you know? Yeah, boy. The third smell, and this is exactly when I thought of it. I was like, okay, I got to stop. Otherwise, I'll wait. I'll write down too much crazy shit, and I'm going to lose Zach. I'm going to lose the audience. There's a certain smell that I've never smelled before, but I think it would be interesting enough to not only put on our scratch and sniff cards or sources, wherever, but to also hire somebody to put this scent in artificial form. Porcupine. Porcupine. What the fuck does a porcupine smell like? You know? Do you know? Never know. Until we get this going. This is like. Like a, a, a few years back, you know, when Jeremy and I did our N Inspirity Complex, our second album, the album cover is two ostriches. And this is the only time in my life I was at this ranch in Wyoming and they had two ostriches in a pen. And this is the only time I think I've ever seen ostriches in real life because I can't remember a time that I ever saw them at the Bronx Zoo. And that's the only other place I ever would have saw them. And it blew me away because they only have two toes on each foot, which is fucking insane in and of itself. But I saw them, they were crazy, and my first thought was like, oh my god, I've never seen an ostrich before, what noise do they make? And I tried really hard to get them to make a noise, but I couldn't. They just wanted to like look at me through the fence, and that's where that picture came from. I've, if you ever want a fun time, everybody, go to YouTube and type in ostrich noise. It's fucking insane. Not only what noise they make, but how they look when they make their noise. They inflate their entire neck like a bullfrog. It's crazy. 
But, you know, now that I've seen ostriches, I was thinking porcupine. What the fuck does a porcupine make a sound of? What does it smell like? Something that is uh, like a, a defensive exterior. Porcupine. <laughs> this is where I stop, Zach, because I think now you understand why I stopped. I think I've made yes, that point. Right? Yes. So burning hair, refrigerator, porcupine. What sense did you have, if any? First, rotting garbage. Okay. So uh, pretty, like the, pretty, the outside pretty, of the restaurant? Pretty, yeah, sure. The outside of the restaurant. <laughs> wink, wink. That I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I'm like, Rob, I don't think that needs any sort of uh, in-depth definition. And the other one is decomposing hobo. And you what? might be wondering, aren't those one and the same? No, Fred, they are not. <laughs> I like that. I like that answer. <laughs> Period. There's no more. I'm not explaining okay. the second one. Perfect. Perfect. We got five. We got five cents for our scratch and sniff cards. Uh, I think now we have condemned ourselves to saying that the only people who will want to actually scratch and sniff these are those who have not listened to this episode. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Which will be most of our audience. And we have one snack question left from the grand, grand experience that was, that's my boy. What are chili nuggets? Chili nuggets. I've done, I've looked into this. I've found some things and I feel like it's a 50-50 split on the internet at least. 50% of the time, chili nuggets are chicken nuggets served with chili, which is I think what I thought of in uh, that episode. But I'm also finding that there's basically like a chili cheese combo wrapped in batter and deep fried. So that when you bite into it, it's kind of like a little bite of chili, but there's this crunchy exterior of breading to it. So I like kinda, that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of like them both. So I, I guess, you know, before I throw it over to you, Zach, this is my thought. I'm going to work from the inside out. This is, this is a, a created item. This is a menu item we're going to have to probably figure out how to make. The interior, the, the core of this, this one nugget, it's all going to be one nugget is what I'm getting at, what we're calling a chig, chili, chiggy, chili nugget. The core is a chicken nugget, like a regular old, you know, chicken nugget, piece of popcorn chicken, nothing but processed chicken in the middle. Surrounding the chicken nugget is a layer of chili and cheese. Surrounding the chili and cheese is another layer of breading. So it's going to be processed chicken, breading, chili and cheese, breading. It is a compound chili nugget combining nuggets of chili and cheese with the traditional chicken nugget. What do you think? That sounds awful. I would eat that so frequently. I I don't in real don't, life, not at the restaurant. I, in real life, I don't think that's as good as you make it out to be. Because I had something very similar to that at a restaurant once. It was called no, no. It was called an armadillo egg, and what it was is that like it's a jalapeno pepper stuffed with cheese and bacon. Okay, and then like breaded and fried. And you're like, wow, and it's like served with some condiment sauce, whatever, it doesn't matter. And you're like, wow, this is great. But at the end of the day, all this is a lot of bread, a soggy jalapeno, and some like gooey, like overly salty stuff that you can't taste. I'm glad you bring this up, Zach. I've never heard it called an armadillo egg, but I've had that before. I've also made it before. Really? 
from a recipe I got from my father, who has also made them before. I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about like a jalapeno popper. I'm not talking about. No, that. no, this not at all. You're talking about. You're talking about a full jalapeno stuffed with this stuff and fried and breaded. A full. I, I mean, like with the, the breading is thick. Like it's not just. Yeah. yeah. I I I have a deep fryer. And I've made this before, and I love it, Zach. Oh, okay. You're, you're... I'm a scotch egg person as well. Like, soft-boiled egg wrapped in sausage, breaded with hot sauce. I've made that, and they're fucking great. Yeah, no, that's horrible. Like, I, I guess we should say... I guess amazing! We should say, we should say Zach's opinion on... my cholesterol! <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't eat. I, I guess I should tell people that like I like I eat healthy, but like not like in a horrible like organic vegan sort of way. Like I like fruits and vegetables <laughs> and stuff that isn't processed. Like if I eat like a heavy dinner with a lot of processed food, like I'm not joking. I will go legit into a food coma. Like I uh, eat it, and like 30 yeah. minutes later, I will legit just fall asleep for like eight hours straight. And I feel awful after. I feel awful during and afterwards to the point where, like, just give me like an apple. Like that's all I want. I'd rather have an apple for dinner than anything fried. And I should say also, when it comes to chicken nuggets, like I know there's an episode of Cinemodies, and Rob knows this, and we're still trying to figure out what episode it is. But I think I said something like, if you're under the age of 21, you're a child. And to this day, I still don't know when I said this. I'm good. <laughs> okay. I, I'm good at, you know what? That's my, that's my equivalent of the annihilation challenge. If you can tell me what episode of Cinemodies where I say, if you're 21 years or older, you're a child, I will, I will dance at your wedding. Just put that out there. Cause I really need to know what <laughs> I need to know the context. I said that in, it's, it's become quite important as of late, but if you order chicken nuggets anywhere, whether it be a restaurant, a fast food eatery, heck, even at your local frozen food section, you are a child and people should sit there, lock you in like, oh God, what's it called? Oh God, what's it called? Oh my God, I'm ruining my, 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 uh, my arrogance. Like, what? what, what? Time out. You should be locked up in timeout. I thought you were going to say quarantine. <laughs> That's too topical, too soon. Well, Zach, yeah. well, if you, uh, you are, better, if you, um, you you are a child, Colorado, you are a child. If you're like over the age of eight years old and you eat chicken nuggets, like I you keep, are, I constantly keep chicken nuggets in stock in my freezer. Zach. That's you know this I, about me. What, what Sometimes I get the dino you? ones. What the hell is the matter with you? Chicken nuggets is so good. It's the same person. It's like doing blow off like a hooker's <laughs> asshole. And he's eating chicken nuggets, dinosaur hey, version. Better than the belly button. <laughs> matter with everybody am i the only adult in the room anymore so good am i the only adult in the room go go make a chicken breast bread it and put it in the oven for 30 minutes well i do that too you know (laughs) sometimes it's easier to turn my oven on for 16 minutes and make chicken nuggets all right you know folks can i add another uh, scratch and sniff card to the uh or or, or smell to the scratch and sniff card Please, I can only imagine what you're about to say. All right, it's 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 the smell of chicken nuggets burning in an oven. And it's I comp- want to, I want it's a companion, quote. and they're dinosaur ones too. I'm not sure if that makes much of a difference when it comes no, to it's a just robot. The shape. They taste exactly the same, and no, but exactly I'm, I, I, but it says it on the card. It says oh. dinosaur shaped chicken nuggets <laughs> being burnt in an oven. And I guess to round out this with our chili nuggets, chicken nuggets conversation, uh, I would like to quote the great crud bump. I eat chicken nuggets, and I'm not going to apologize.
That is literally the first lines of one of his songs. <laughs> of course it is. All right. So those are our snacks. The last thing that we have to fill in on oh, the spreadsheet. Boy. Oh, on the spreadsheet. Okay. Which I think we'll put in there. It's, it's, we don't have a place for it, but it, we do say we want to go back and at least discuss this. Is our seance modities. Seance modities. So, uh, like, Zach and I don't know what the other one's going to say. I think we've established that Rob has 13, Zach has fewer. There's going to be some overlap, of course. Um, how do you want to go about this? Uh, do you want to trade off? Do you want to run through yours and then see what's left over? What were your What were your thoughts? Uh, oh, God, because Rob's going to be here for a half an hour. I got, um, some, I got some fucking great ones. Hmm. Well, we'll go back and forth. You start off. I'll, I'll, see, I'll see which way you're doing. I'll let you kind of uh, frame okay. this part of the discussion. Well, perfect. So I'm going to start with one that I actually needed your help on. Because when I... Uh, I guess just to say, these are all completely serious, but I love some of them better than others. Rob, do you want to explain what we're trying to do with Seance Mods, in case people don't know? Good good point, because it's a very recent thing. In the Paul Bartell series, uh, Zach and Rob have become increasingly upset by the fact that Paul Bartell is dead, and we can't get answers directly from the source. So to correct for this, we are going to hold on Sunday nights. I don't think we decided that. I think I decided that, just for brevity. On Sunday nights in the restaurant, we will be having seance nights titled Seance Modities. Do you get it? Instead of cinemodities, it's seance modities. Fucking spell it right. And so we had to, though, when we had this idea, we knew we wanted to contact Paul Bartell. And that is one of the ones on my list, of course. But we needed more. We couldn't contact Paul Bartell every week. We needed to take a deep dive into our, our canon, our list of episodes, and pick people who are dead that we can contact and get some meaningful information from, whether it be about the movie that they were in that we discussed or about their career, anything like that. And so Zach and I said to ourselves in that episode, I don't, was it Death Race or was it Private Parts? I can't remember. I forget. Exactly. We have a spreadsheet, but we forget. And so we had to go back and actually come up with a list, at least a a list of contacts to keep this going, this event going for a few weeks from now. And that's exactly what we did. And the first one that I came up with, I, I'm not going to say mine in, in uh, chronological order, but that's how I did it. I started from our first episode, ran down the spreadsheet. I'm This is one of the ones I'm actually wildly interested in. And this is where I need your help, Zach, because it's something I don't remember. When we discussed and watched Titanic sinking the myths. Oh, you went that far back? I went, I started at the beginning, Zach. Oh, jeez. I started at the beginning. Okay. I started just watched, at the, the one-year anniversary. Oh, okay. No, I went all the way back. When we, when we watched Titanic sinking the myths, of course, that, that docudrama, as we described it, are three episodes on it. There's the character that is played by Ed Asner. I don't want to contact Ed Asner. I want to contact the guy that he was portraying because wasn't that the point of Titanic sinking the myths that this dude was supposedly on the Titanic, but no one can corroborate it. Do you remember that guy's name? Cause that's who I want to contact. Oh God. Uh, Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Yes. I think that we should say have a seance modities night where we contact the dead Wilhelm and actually get an answer once and for all, if he was on the Titanic. And maybe we can contact other Titanic people. And I, I, I'm you're jealous. jealous. I didn't think of this. I'm jealous. I didn't think of this. <laughs> but that that's a that's a great use of a seance, right? We're actually going to get a definitive answer, not just for something in cinemodities, but for the fucking Titanic as a whole. 
Indeed, Rob. Rob, yeah. this is this, this is profound even for you. Well, you know, thank you, Zach. <laughs> I guess I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> so that was my first one. That was the, the earliest one, and I wanted to start that because uh, I knew it was one you were going to like as well. I was kind of giddy with glee as I was writing this one down. I was like, oh, Zach's going to like that I actually thought about something we've discussed for once. Uh, but I'll throw it over to you. Who do you have on your first that you want to talk about? Well, the first one that I'm going to mention is pretty obvious. It would be uh, Stanley Kubrick because we That's talked about him. For, yep, yes, we yep. have to talk about talk to Stanley Kubrick for a whole host of reasons. But just for the sake of just we've only talked about one Kubrick film, it would have to be for The Shinning. Oh, absolutely. And then, and the first question I would ask him would be, why did your family sell out your artistic integrity <laughs> to make a cheap buck from Stephen King? See, I'm glad I figured Stanley Kubrick was going to be one of our overlaps because the reason I wanted to contact Stanley Kubrick was that I knew you were going to have real questions for him. My main question for Stanley Kubrick is what the fuck is up with your cats? Remember the whole thing about his cats and the rules he had for taking care of his cats? I wanted to dig deeper into that in the afterlife. <laughs> I, 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 I could get behind that. I could get okay. behind it. But yeah, good. So Stanley Kubrick was one of mine, definitely. Uh, I think it's I think it's my turn. Uh, I have a one that I'm I'm going to guess that it's an overlap. I'm not sure, though, because you did only go back to the one year anniversary. Um, I think this is one that is uh, deserves no explanation. It's one that you would, of course, expect Rob to want. Since we discussed Yellow Submarine and the Beatles, I want to contact John Lennon and George Harrison. Oh, oh, this is a wet noodle of a one. Like, oh, oh what? okay. What? Yeah. We could ask them some great questions. I, yeah, I want to describe. I want to describe the world as it is today to John Lennon and see what he has to say. Oh, I don't care what John Lennon has to say. That's a waste. Who cares? John Lennon has Go to talk say. to Yoko Ono. It's the exact same thing. No, you're gonna get incoherent screaming. Exactly. It's gonna be no different. Oh, okay. See, okay. Clearly, we're in disagreement on this. Your turn. What, what's one you got, Zach? All right. So, yeah. No, that was a waste. Um. Um. I was gonna say Alan Farnsworth. Do you mean Richard Farnsworth? Richard Farnsworth. From the straight me. story. Yeah, yes. That was one of my overlaps as well, of course. With oh, how Alvin great Strait. Wait, 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 wait. Alvin, Alvin Strait. Alan Strait, played by a Richard. Alvin. Alvin Strait. Is it Alan or Av? <laughs> I'm losing track of all these names now. Is it Alan it's, or Alvin? I think it's Alvin Strait in the okay. movie The Straight Story portrayed it's Richard by Far Richard, Richard Farnsworth. Farnsworth. Okay. So, so which one are you saying? Because they are both dead. I think we should do both. We'll get them all, we'll get we'll do a party line. Fair, fair, because I only had Richard Farnsworth because I really want to talk about that role and what it meant to him being so close to his his elder, you know, being in his elderly years playing someone who was dying. But I could get behind that. We talk about the actual guy who rode his tractor across the country. I didn't think of that. Okay, I I got another one. Uh, I'm gonna get him out of the way now because Zach has uh, pashawed my uh, John Lennon one. And George Harrison. I would love to talk to George Harrison. He's my favorite Beatle. Anyway. That would be better. That's better than John Lennon. I did say both a few minutes ago, just so you know, okay? But another one that probably Zach can get behind, but he might push as well. Since we talked about Thomas the Tank Engine, George Carlin. Oh, oh that's... Yeah, well... <laughs> I'm conflicted on that if, if anything just to just to try and explain in a seance the concept of our restaurant to George Carlin <laughs> he would probably have some 
interesting things to say to us about right. our restaurant and our style of comedy, right? I yeah, you're probably right. That's that's a good one. That's pretty clever. Okay, you're up. What do you got next? That kind of makes up for the John Lennon. That kind of makes oh, up. Oh, okay. George, okay. Maybe I should have said George Harrison first. I'm sorry, Zach. If you had said George Harrison, not John Lennon, I would have had I, no problem. Well, to be fair, to re- retrospective from retroactively from two minutes ago now, I would much rather talk to George Harrison than John Lennon, whether they were dead or alive. Like I said, George okay. Harrison's my favorite Beatle. Okay, good. I'll, uh, good. You're, 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 sa- you're, sa- you're saving face <laughs> right now. Um, all right. my This is my last one. Okay. I'd like to talk again. This, I think Rob's gonna like this. I want to talk to Martin Brest's career. Oh my God, Zach! I love it. I absolutely love it. I have a career joke as well, but not for Martin Brest. Oh, I I think we should lump these two together. My my note for one of our seance modities was R. Kelly's career. Oh. <laughs> So I'm glad we were on the same wavelength for thinking about different people. That's well. great. So we'll we'll have the we'll have the seance modities night where we contact dead careers about Martin Brest and R. Kelly. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Martin Brest's career I would love to talk to. R. Kelly's career I'd love to talk to and more make fun of, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. You, uh, okay. you, you, you could ask R. Kelly about the p- p- package. The p- 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 package. Yeah, it's like it. <laughs> I'm just talking a big man. Ah, boy. Okay, so I guess it's on me then to fill in the rest of them. So I'm going to save my favorite for last because it is... It is the one truth thing I would want to contact in the afterlife, but I'm going to save it for last. Um, I would love to contact through a seance modities, uh, Sid Barrett. Sid Barrett is a member of Pink Floyd that the main character of The Wall was based on, who is now dead. Zach hmm. is, Zach's like, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, whatever you say, Rob. Um, one that I am definitely interested in, not because of the movie we watched, just because I respect him as an actor from the Hudsucker Proxy, Paul Newman. Hmm. Another one that I, I, I honestly thought that Zach was going to pick up on, maybe he just skipped over it because it was part of our, uh, sketch comedy fort month, Charlie Murphy. Yeah, I thought about Charlie Murphy. I okay, thought about Okay, okay. I figured you would. I figured that would be in your head somewhere for sure. Um, and cause he's great, you know, maybe we get some more true Hollywood stories from Charlie Murphy in the afterlife. Yeah. One that I think, uh, is a little problematic. Ted Bundy. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I expected Zach to say. <laughs> that would have to be maybe a, like a Patreon seance modities, not an open to the public seance modities, right? Yeah. <laughs> you have yeah, to know what you're getting into. Yeah. That's iffy. Yeah. That's uh, you have to call ahead for that one. And, yes, there's some wa- exactly. and there's some there's some liabilities stuff you have to sign. Oh, oh yeah, waivers. Oh, out the ass. I got two left. This one that I'm going to say next is not my favorite. It's one I was a little more jokingly about. It's not one that I think we could do, but I would like to do it just to see if she is able to be reached this way. Loretta Modern. 
I kind of thought about this and I decided <laughs> against it. Okay. I, I, that's why I said I wanted to see if it was able to be done. You know, maybe there's some misfires during the seance modities where it takes us some, some tries in an evening to see who we can get on the, on the line, mm-hmm. on the spiritual connection. I don't know. I don't know how to say it as, as we've established, but, but that takes me to the last one, the final, the only dead thing that we need to contact in our seance modities. And I'd be good with doing this every, every weekend, every day of the fucking week, Zach. I think you're going to roll your eyes when you hear it, but in our seance modities, we need to reach out to Miracle the Miracle Buffalo. But we need a Buffalo to English translator for this. We don't know. Can you contact animals when they're dead? Will they be able to talk to us? Does a Ouija board work? Does a seance work? I I need, I need, Zach, some contact with Miracle the Miracle Buffalo. I've never forgotten this. The Miracle Miracle Buffalo will uh. always stay with me, Zach. <laughs> oh, God. That's, God that's damn, funny. It, it's like, just like I'm upset every time we talk about Paul Bartell being dead, who I said already is also on this list, the instigator for Seance Monodies. But the Miracle Buffalo, too. Think of the movies the Miracle Buffalo could have directed if she were still alive. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, I what a mess. I fucking love the Miracle Buffalo, Zach. <laughs> oh, Rob, you monster, you. You yeah, monster, yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, I figured. I, like I said, I... Uh, another moment where you could hear Zach's eyes roll when I mentioned the miracle buffalo. But Rob, I'm surprised there's one that you didn't mention. One per oh. one more person. Really? Okay. Okay. And it's for an episode that that we've recorded, but we haven't even released yet. Oh God, who was it? I can't remember. The late and great divine. Oh, of course. You're right. I should have that. That's in the spreadsheet before the two year extravaganza. I should have picked up on that. And yeah, you're absolutely right. That should be on the list, and I'm assuming it's on both of our lists. Just for the fact that if we can contact Divine, we get him to just give us a monologue of greatness, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> what are you doing contacting me in the afterlife? Are you going to use this for financial gain? <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Divine. So yeah, we have, at least for the time being... Uh, a few weeks of stuff ready to go for seance modities. And if as long as our restaurant doesn't get closed down for coronavirus scares, then we'll we'll be doing this every Sunday. We're going to try and contact somebody. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And okay. how. So we're getting near the end, Zach. The next thing I want to bring up is uh, something that I'm very excited about and that I actually have to ask you about as well. But if you remember, you and the audience, they remember back in December... We had a very specific call to action for our audience, and it was the Pixel Perfect call to action. We wanted them to play Pixel Perfect on repeat on their Disney Plus subscription whenever they weren't using it for any other purpose. Now, this kind of grew, uh, like, I think Zach offhandedly mentioned it in one episode, and, and Rob took, the, took it and ran with it and recorded some, and, you know, all four episodes and cinemodities at the start, you hear these pixel perfect call to actions but it grew to that rob even recorded some for knights of vader and there were two that were recorded for knights of vader that never got used and i wanted to ask you zach was this because something else came up or 
they were the ones that were unsavory to some extent. I know one of them was unsavory. One of them, I think I just forgot to include. Okay. I thought there was only one I didn't do. There's two. There, there's so, two? So there's two. The, the, the first one is, I there's, numbered all of them. So There's, there's a Lemmings numbers. one. There's a Lemmings yes. one. I, did, I deliberately did, could not air that because I figured yes. that's gonna, I was going to insult someone. There's number six and number eight out of the ten that I recorded, I believe. And uh, number six is, we're going to play them here also. I'm going to describe it and I'll play it for you. Put the clip in. Number six is the one with a lot of bleeps where I say uh, Rob got back from the internet and then I say like, there's a lot of sexually act, sexually explicit material. I saw a boop, 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 and it's intercut with words and bleeps of like what's okay and what's not. Listen to it here. Whew. Hey kids, it's Rob. I just came from the internet. For real. I was inside the internet. Thankfully, I was able to find a hospital patient hooked up to an EEG machine to make my escape. I encountered so much sexually explicit material in there, I don't know if I'll ever be the same. But one thing that was immediately noticeable on the World Wide Web was the lack of content I saw relating to the film Pixel Perfect. Apparently, it's available through something called Disney Plus, which also included an insane amount of mother do suck and like one of those bathtubs with the feet and toes. Regardless, that's not the point. For all of you with access to Disney Plus. Play Pixel Perfect on loop. I'm I'm going to wash my eyes out. But was that the one you just forgot to include? I I, I remember that though, and I guess I forgot to include okay. it. Okay. But then yes, the other one that was not included was Pixel Perfect Call to Action number eight, in which I am pretty sure I started by saying, I know all of you are out there uh, watching Star Wars Episode Nine like lemmings, but let me give you my thoughts on it, and then I proceed to describe what I think about Pixel Perfect. Yes. <laughs> and I, even at the end, I say something like, oh, I'm not talking about Star Wars. I'm talking about Pixel Perfect, a better movie. And I am very aggressive in that one, which yes, you can hear is. right now. Hey, kids, it's Rob again. By now, I'm sure you understand why you're hearing me at the start of this episode. Before that call to action, I figured I would give a quick insight into my thoughts on episode 9, since I'd rather die than discuss it for more than 60 seconds. Ricky Ullman delivers a powerhouse performance, Spencer Redford plays an emotionless hologram perfectly, and the music is on point. Force Ghost Loretta Modern at the end is superb, and I'm glad the movie spent a good bit of time on the concept of hologram ethics. Oh, wait... I'm not talking about Star Wars? Of course I'm not! I'm talking about Pixel Perfect! And when all you lemmings go out to the theater to see The Rise of Skywalker, make sure you balance the scales and your Disney Plus is set to play Pixel Perfect on repeat. So that's, that's the only two. I recorded those, and we got most of them out. There were the two, and I figured this would be better time than any, not only to get them in the, on the air, but also to remind everybody who listens to this bonus episode for this long, that you should still be playing Pixel Perfect. Yes. I wholeheartedly <laughs> endorse that. All right. Well, as far as I can tell, Zach, there's two things that we have left. There's and still since- two? I thought there was only one left. Well, no. You're thinking about uh, Hand Banana, right? Oh, Hand Banana in my performance review. Yep. And since Hand Banana involves us answering our questions, we have to leave that for the end. And it's time, Zach. For your performance review. Your yearly performance review. Are you ready? <clears throat> Can you, you buckled in, you know? 
Oh, dear. Better time than ever, right? Oh, dear. Okay, here we go. One demerit comes from the 11350 you set up on the premises, which, if you don't remember, is an illegal chinchilla farm. But all in all, I think you're good. Please pump your brakes on putting things other than your legal name on restaurant documents. Because I know Hester Shaw and Carly Beth are not employees or operators of our establishment. I don't understand the complaint Lockjaw filed against you in which he said, (laughs) So I'm instructing HR to drop that issue. I appreciate that together we can kick ass for the Lord and that we have shared our secret shame with each other. Because, you know, that means something. Our bodies made a promise. Well, I think that happened when we took that trip to the Baywatch, but that's beside the point. So, I'm glad that you haven't done anything to make me say, you're fired, and nothing warrants the annihilation of your employment. Please sign here. He is very proud of himself, folks. Yeah. He is very <laughs> proud of himself. <laughs> yeah. He's ve- he is so proud of himself. I right now, worked folks. on this. I I not only worked on writing this for like a month and a half. I worked on performing it, and oh my god, this is so much fun. I need to do more. We need more sketches and bits like this, Zach. These are great. Clearly. Only in our year episodes, though. Everywhere else. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Good. Like that. <laughs> but yeah, I have to ask. Just like I did last year. Do you have a performance review for me, Zach? Yes, Rob, I do. Oh my God! No, you don't. You're lying. It's gonna be what? It's gonna it's gonna be you giving me the middle finger? What? <laughs> I'm ready. Rub-a- I guess I'm ready. I gotta pay attention. I'm ready. Rub a dub dub. Let's eat some grub. Should I sign? <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> you can sign if you want. Well, you have. Don't you have to sign a performance review? You have to. Give acknowledgement that you received it, right? That's up to that's up to you. I don't. Well, true, it is our business. It is up to us. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's all figured out, don't you? He's <laughs> got it all figured out, folks. He has just, it all figured out. Just a little peek behind the curtain. There were some lines that I really wanted to include, but I had to cut because it was getting a little negative. Such as the "Are you retarded?" from Vox Lux. I couldn't find a good way to. That would be good. That would have been good. I would have liked that. Um. The other one is I was trying to think of a way, and I once again, it was way too negative because I love the negatives I already had, like the pump your brakes and the 11350. I really wanted Hugh Laurie in the bonus feature from Tomorrowland. Like, do you think we can grow French fries? Remember that? <laughs> and then the one that I did cut, that because I replaced it with the Our Bodies Made a Promise and the Baywatch thing, mm-hmm. was I was very tempted to ask you at the end uh, where you wanted to sleep tonight. Oh, <laughs> that would have been good. I would have been amused by that. Well, yeah. So, yeah, this this went through many iterations, and uh, but you got the performance review that you review that you did. There were some issues. There were some benefits, but all in all, we're gonna have another great year of cinemodities for sure. Indeed, I'm giddy. I'm giddy, Zach. You giddy, Rob? <laughs> I'm giddy. So that brings us to our last thing. We're going to have to answer our questions, but it becomes, well, what do we have to answer our questions about? The audience remembers in a previous bonus episode, our Thanksgiving bonus episode, we discussed the movie Thanksgiving 3. And Zach and I take a detour about an hour and five minutes into that episode to discuss the episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force, Hand Banana. Hand Banana. And since when I edited that episode, listened to it a few months later, I felt that we really 
did a full discussion of hand banana that we had to answer our questions about it. We had to actually, because, you know, we can't revisit it. We've, we've done it already. Then we should get our cinemodities late night and snacks out of the way. Before we jump into those questions, I did actually want to tell Zach that um, I, I own the DVD of season five of Aquatine Hunger Force, which includes hand banana on disc one. And it, it, there's no... I was really upset. There's no deleted scenes for Hand Banana. I really wanted to. Uh, but there, there's no deleted scenes for Hand Banana. I think the only deleted scenes are for Bart Oates, uh, Moonawana, and Grim Reaper Gutters. So not even like a majority of the episodes. But in the same season, there's the Bart Oates episode in which Carl is visited by the ghost of the football player Bart Oates. Mm. And it's revealed that Bart Oates, his spirit is being like captured or enslaved by these sirens that make him do sexual things but they're into like sexual torture and uh, that that episode is beside the point but the sirens always sing everything they say you know they'll be like bart oats and carl come be with us and on the dvd menu of the episodes whenever you select an episode it will say the name of the episode but in the singing siren voice so really? I'm going to have to record it and put a clip in it because when I put the DVD in and I went to Hand Banana, I selected Hand Banana, and you get to hear the angelic sirens go, Hand Banana! Episodes one through nine. Hand Banana. It's very funny because you know, or I know when I watch this, that I'm about to watch an 11-minute straight segment about rape. Yes. <laughs> so I think, without further ado, we don't need to discuss Hand Banana anymore. We're filling in our questions. I want to throw it over to you, Zach. Cinemodities and Late Night, what do you got? For Hand Banana? For Hand Banana. Hand Banana is a clearly a uh, Cinemodity. Late Night... That's a tough one, right? <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a vacuum, I don't know. because I, I was never a huge Aqua Team fan. And Aqua Teen used to be really strange back in the day, but I think by today's standards, it's quite tame. Mm. Aqua Teen's nowhere near as strange as it was like 15 years ago. Fif- think, 15 I, plus years ago. I think in I think in content of every specific episode, I'm I'm still kind of blown away by the fact that, you know, the, you know, that that's where TV TV shows have become so, I don't know, spread out and drastic and different and crazy that, you know. I've always thought, well, yeah, it's it's literally the pitch of this show in all 11 seasons is that it's a group of fast food items that solve crimes, but they never solve crimes. Yes. So, but you're right. Has I don't know. Has there anything ever been anything that could it's always been weird to me, I guess, is the fact that you have a you have a, a, a thing of French fries, a milkshake and a ball of meat that encounter humans, their neighbors are human, but they encounter literally everything else from robots to mermaids to giants to dra- to vampires to you know, fruit that talks to genetically mm. modified dogs. I- I've always found the entirety of, of Aqua Teen to be a-, a cinemodity in that aspect that to this day, I don't know if there's anything really like it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to go yes for late night. Okay, okay. My answer to Cinemodities and Late Night is the same for both. Holy fuck, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because one, Cinemodity, absolutely. Like we said, I, we're, we're not joking. If you can find this on YouTube or Adult Swim's website, I don't know where it is, but you are, you are 100% watching 11 minutes straight of animation about rape. 
That is, that is very strange. That would never get made today. At the same time, that's my answer for late night. You want to start a conversation with somebody? This is probably one way to do it, right? Uh, it might not be the best conversation. It might end in yelling and someone storming out, but it's going to start a conversation. You're not kidding, Rob. You ain't kidding. And, of course, you could also, I think my uh, my one kind of caveat is that, yes, holy fuck, yes, this is a late-night movie. But right before you start it, you have to look at the person or people you're watching it with, point at them, and go, tonight, you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's delightful. Like, I don't want to get too much into hand bananas. We just got in, like, what? Oh, no, I don't say we almost got into it. We got into it roughly no- November. Yes. But, yeah, hand banana. Like, to this day, like, I think I've made the joke to Rob. About anytime Law and Order Savu is on, and like Marissa Hargitay is just like rambling about like how in all her stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, my mother, there's two things I'll say when I hear like Savu going nuts with all the penetration. <laughs> it's the first one is, can we hug? Nope, rape, which is a <laughs> reference to a red letter media sketch with Fuckbot yep. 5000 or 3000, I forget which one. And then the other one is, all I know is ball. Good and rape. Like that is like that is just like he's not a boy anymore. He's a man. Cause he just raped me. Do you think you could back that up? Listen to this guy. Could back that up. I got bruises to prove it. No, no, I mean that ass. Back it up. Yeah. Do you hear what he's saying here? Sounds like someone wants to get raped again. Come on, Carl, he hasn't even been here one day. How could he possibly learn the English language? See? All I know is ball and good. Rape. Yeah, you know it well. I bend over for the remote and boom! Oh, oh it's, 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 it's classic. Because <laughs> nobody can hear the dog talk except Carl. And that's the one he's raping. <laughs> and Banana's raping. It's insane. <laughs> So, so I, I have no corroboration for this, but in my research, the little bit I did about Ham Banana, not really for this recording, but in, in like my history, I, I love everything about Aqua Teen. Um, on the Aqua Teen Hunger Force wiki, on the page for Ham Banana, the trivia, like I said, once again, no corroboration. Apparently, according to that website, this is Dana Snyder's favorite episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Really? Dana Snyder is the voice of Shake. Oh. And I... I'm still with him. This is my favorite episode. Close second is Bible Fruit with uh, David Cross playing a a banana whose hands had to be amputated, replaced with monkey hands, who is a raging alcoholic that beats Tammy the Tangerine, his wife, played by Kristen Shaw, and their third wheel lime of a partner, I think, voiced by uh, H. John Benjamin. That's a great episode. <laughs> but Ham Banana takes the cake, 100%. Good old hand banana. I filled every orifice of my body with wacky glue. <laughs> That's a stupid thing to do, Carl. What? I can't I hear you. Every orifice of my body with wacky glue. And I'm going to use that reference to take us into our snacks because one of my snacks. You ever been anywhere, Zach? Maybe at like a beach or a water park and they have those uh, those stations that like will miss you with suntan lotion before you go out in the sun. You ever hear about that? No. No, you never heard about that? They got like what, the. Uh, what is it? It's like. Repeat it's, like a that. Little, it's like a little booth. It's like it's like a, it's like a single stall. Like you know, you might see like a shower. Where you get on dressed. The beach. Where you can get dressed, right? Like a changing cabin. Well, well, yeah, it looks like that, but it's a booth where you walk in and you know you maybe put like a dollar or two into the machine and it, and it like kind of sprays you down like a spray tan, 
but with suntan lotion. What like the- sort of sorcery is this? You never heard of it, Rob, Rob? I'm not sure that might be that might not be suntan lotion. You know, depending on. I mean, uh, I, I've never used it, but they I'm had just saying. Are you sure? In, they had them in Maui the last time I was there. You could put like I think it was like two bucks into a machine, and it would spray you down with suntan lotion. Who knows? It could have been you know movie theater popcorn butter. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope it was that compared to what I'm thinking of. But but so okay, I guess you you might not uh, you know like a, a spray tan machine. Then you know it's something you stand up in. And this machine kind of runs from top to bottom and it sprays you with stuff. You know? You know, get that idea, right? I get it, but I feel very uncomfortable with the idea of it. Sure. Okay. Let's have stations like that in our restaurant, but they're not for sunscreen. They're not for body tans. They're for filling every orifice of your body with wacky glue. Oh, my God. So a customer can put, like, they can swipe their credit card, stand in place, and this machine is going to fill Every orifice of your body with wacky glue. I got a little present for your dog next time he shows up and tries to make unwanted sexual advances towards me. He's gonna get stuck because I filled every orifice of my body with wacky glue. That's a stupid thing to do, Carl. What? I said I filled every orifice of my body with wacky glue. Hey, you want something to drink? I feel like my throat's kind of dry. I put a bunch of wacky glue in there. Now it's kind of close enough. Call nine one one. That 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 I as a pretend premise I can get behind the real world application though. It it is it might be the funniest thing in television history. That joke. I know I said this in the Thanksgiving three episode, but that that conversation, that trade off between Frylock and Carl. I filled every orifice of my body with glue. What? I said I filled every orifice of my body with wacky glue. That is, that is like peak comedy to me. And we need a machine that will make it so. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll trade it up to you. Do you have a snack that you want to pitch for ham banana? I, I want ham banana plushies. Ooh. I, when you started, and, I thought you were going to say you wanted ham banana the walk around character. And I was going to no, say, no, that's no. a liability. That that's up there with Nelson Delarosa. Like someone's getting sued. Did did you know that Ham Banana actually survives that episode and he makes an appearance in two other episodes of Aquatine? Oh, does he? Yep. One of them being the penultimate episode. He makes an appearance. No rape occurs, but he is seen for sure. It it is. Sure. Seen. I don't know if it's a. I guess it's a male. Oh yeah, because Carl says he's not a he's not a he's not a good boy. He's a man because he just raped me. <laughs> <laughs> So you want plushies of hand bananas? Yes. Uh, how pronounced will the phallus be? Uh, as, as pronounced as in the animation. It, well, in the animation, you don't see it at all. But I was getting at, do you want to sell hand banana? No, 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 no. I'm no. more interested in that. We have a, a like a red light district of our gift shop. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you want Because, baby, you bring out the beast in me. <laughs> no, I can get behind that because it, it it seems like it would be a very cheap uh, plush toy to make. You know, just the the yellow thing with four appendages and a and a smiley face, right? Yeah, you know I, I, know I, I like cheap, inexpensive. Yes, see, don't say cheap, inexpensive. Yes. <laughs> okay, uh, the next snack I had was um, see this is I didn't want hand banana as a walk around character for the liability reasons. But in the episode, 
Han Banana, we are revealed that Han Banana is a, an expert baker. Yes. Of, of muffins, baguettes, baked goods, things like that. So I was kind of thinking, why don't we hire Han Banana to make our, our restaurant quality desserts, breads, and maybe breakfast items, like a muffin, like a croissant, things like that. Could The question is, could we keep him restrained to the kitchen? And secondary to that, or maybe not secondary, a corollary to that, could we keep him from driving the rest of the kitchen staff away? Oh, that's that's a hard one. I know this is this is this is a whole different level than Nelson De La Rosa because Nelson De La Rosa. I'm sure if uh, one of our people that works in our restaurant they know who Nelson De La Rosa is, they can stop the dick punch before it happens. <laughs> can can you stop the hand banana rape before it happens? I don't know because Carl can't. <laughs> no, he cannot. Blue. But, but he's but he's not even trying though. Well, I mean, he only, yeah, he only tries with the wacky glue. <laughs> my, th- my throat's a little dry. You know, I filled it with wacky glue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look, he's trying boy. to rape me. No, he's just performing, he's just performing the Heimlich maneuver on you, Carl. <laughs> it truly is a beautiful episode. I have one other addition to the restaurant. Did you have any others for Ham Banana? No, Ham Banana. I, I think I've said my piece about that. Well, my last one, probably uh, once I once I watched the episode again for the just 10 billionth time and I thought about it, this is probably the most obvious one to me. Um, in the sin e commodities portion of the restaurant, the kids area of the restaurant, I want a station where the kids can go up and use the Create Your Own Dog 1.0 software. I want the children in our Sin Emodities restaurant to be able to use their DNA to create their own dogs. No liability. No liability. <laughs> Remember, that's one of our mottos. And uh, I think when, when we let the parents, or when we have the parents drop off the children into the Sin Emodities portion before they go into the closet to drink champagne from House 2, Remember mm-hmm. that edition where they're getting drunk in a closet without their kids? Yes. Oh, I they remember. Have to, they have to sign a waiver that whatever their kids get into, whatever they damage, whatever they uh, hurt with other children, and now whatever they create while they're in there, it's all on the parents. They take full responsibility. What do you think? Yeah, I think that's pretty good. The the other thing, I don't I, – like I said, and I'm not joking. I've seen this episode probably hundreds of times if you wanted to get an actual count it's got to be in the triple digits this is my favorite episode of aqua teen it was really only in this last episode when i was watching it with this critical eye for answering our questions did i realize that in the start of the episode when frylock busts out the 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 packaging for the create your own dog 1.0 software there is a little sticker on the front that says now with anti-parvovirus software and parvovirus is a real disease that dogs get, and and got like it killed a lot of dogs in like the mid '90s because we didn't understand parvovirus. And I know we're not talking about Aquatine as a whole, but this is why Aquatine Hunger Force is one of the funniest things ever to exist in human history because there is no detail that they leave uncovered, even if the episode is about a genetically engineered dog that looks nothing like a dog raping a human man. <laughs> They are going to think about everything. Tune in to our Splinter podcast. Ah. 
where my buddy still thinks it's a good idea that we discuss every episode of Aqua Teen one by one, and then when we finish a season, we discuss a Fast and a Furious movie. I don't know. I guess if you think that's a good idea, let me know. I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that one. Nobody cares about Aqua Teen anymore, and I don't care about Fast and the Furious anymore. <laughs> yeah. Never. Yeah. I never Times are changing. Yep. So, Zach, did we do it? I think we did it, Rob. We did Until our next two year. years. We did our two years. Our spreadsheets filled in. We've cleaned house. Oh, I love it. That's a great feeling when we get to get rid of all those unanswered and indeterminates and and put addendums on them and all that stuff. Absolutely. I uh, I think the way that we end this episode is going to be up in the air because as as I did for the first year anniversary, you know, there's going to be a slightly new intro, slightly new outro. I love that stuff. But if Zach has nothing else to say, I have one thing that I want to end this episode on. And it's going to come up in Seance Modities whenever we get to it. Miracle Buffalo. Do you smoke cigarettes? It's not a deal breaker. <laughs> but I'm just one. Oh, boy. Poor Miracle Buffalo.